you ever felt. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. I can let it kill me or destroy me, you know, right now. Yeah. Right now we're surviving. So, <laughs> all right, man. So, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, Cody, you told me something a couple of months ago. We were talking on the phone and, um, I don't even remember exactly what we were talking about, but shortly thereafter, I was listening, uh, to a song. We were talking about struggles, whatever, maybe it was real estate or maybe it was, the inspection world or something like that. And, um, it was like, you know, we, we were pondering, you know, what, what do you do? I mean, if you, if you're up against this head wall, do you, do you kind of steer and go this direction? Do you kind of like, you know, if you get to that point in life or whatever, um, you know, do you, do you take a hard right and go this way? Or do you, do you take a hard left and go that way? And like shortly thereafter we were talking and, and, you know, we, we sometimes exchange music files. I think if, if oh, yeah. something hits us in the morning, like I'm working out and I'm like, Oh, Cody would like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, They're always great know. too. I love those. So <laughs> it's I always something that when obscure, you, do. you know, I'm yeah. like, he might dig this. He might also I've liked it, them <laughs> all, even if they weren't, that's what, especially the ones that I wouldn't normally pick. I love yeah. that. Cause you discover something that you're like, Oh yeah, I get it. I check out what he's trying to say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, I love the, it. there's always a meaning. Um, I think in a weird way, and I think a lot well, of people same. just That's, listen to music on sure. on the surface value, and it's a good, you know, it's a good banger. It's you know, it's just like just a, in the know, background. A lot of times, people yeah. just listen to music for the background, and I'm always like headphones on, deep into it. So I always appreciate someone that gets it and shares them back because that's the danger of sharing music. I mean, of all the posts that I do the least engaged i'm lucky if i get one like on any of them and most of them don't have any and and in fact what ends up happening is whenever i share music because you can't just share the song it has to be the youtube video what always ends up happening is these people from like china and places will friend me and like all of my posts and after i shared that one post and they'll do like seven or eight of them and then try to friend me in the dms and be like oh you're so cute i want to be your friend i'm like what i don't yeah. You know who you are, like what's happening right now. You just have like, post. if you made this account today, there have uh, three other friends and yeah, sure. Let's, yeah. So obviously, yeah. I, but that's in, anyway, those are the only people that end up usually liking them because music can be so personal and it can be something that I'm hearing that. And like you said, whenever I post that music, it's always because of something that just correlated with what was going on with me now. And it's a good way to just kind of, speak it out there but it's 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 almost kind of like the andy kaufman thing because it's really only for me i guess at the end of the day because who's going to get what i was getting out of that song at that moment that i shared the song is going to sit and listen to it and go oh yeah cody's going through this today but that's what's happening that's yeah, what I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's that that is the nature of it because i mean you know i i i try and go whether it's you or some other buddies if they post a song and, and i have a couple of friends that i um Obviously, my band members, I'll send them stuff and be like, dude, I just heard this. Like, yeah, I love like, it. Oh, I love that jam. That's 25 years old. But God, it's good. Yeah. Uh, but totally. yeah, when you post something, I'll like listen to it. I'm like, what is he? What's going on? You Sometimes know, I try to leave hints to it's a little, uh, you know, obvious. But then at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know. Is anyone even going to, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Some, some songs are pretty obvious and some of them are rad, you know? Like, 
just random stuff. Like I post Sia a couple times a lot. I met this gal. She always has just the best lyrics. And I think that's part of it is that when you do have, I've always had good quality gear wherever I go. So if I'm in my truck or whatever vehicle I've owned since I was probably 16 years old, yes, definitely since I was 16. I mean, I've always had the ridiculous systems. Now I've tapered that way back, but you know, I still have good when you can hear it well, it makes such a difference. Like if you're just driving melancholy to work in the morning or somewhere, you got some song on and you're just kind of mundane about it, just try it one time. Turn that sucker up six or seven notches, a little higher than you normally would. All of a sudden, you feel better and the song is hitting you different and you're focused more in on it. And it's just a different thing. But so anyway, I, I always come from, I know a place where I'll be listening to something late at night in my headphones and hear it so well and just be so in line with what they're saying lyrically that so often in these songs, there is poetic genius in some of that stuff. Now, of course, some of it's, you know, Slayer or, uh, you know, Poison or, you know, it's Girls, 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 or, you know, some of it's, you know, it's just music garbage, but at the end of, you know, Candy lyrics but you know some of it's pretty dang profound i mean y'all find myself listening to some of these rap artists and some of them are incredible mm-hmm. lyrically you just i'm like that's you know like atmosphere that guy's amazing oh yeah yeah i was uh just listening to some of his stuff the other day um oh he blows me away sometimes i'll listen to a couple of his jams and just be so so loving it like that's well, you know that's an intelligent guy right there do you ever, uh, you remember like super audio CDs when that came out? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Dude, Pink Floyd was big on that, the SACD and they thought it was going to, you know, quadraphonic stereo was going to take off and it's essentially surround sound. It was kind of like the fight between Bluetooth and whatever the heck the loser's yeah. name was. I don't even know <laughs> yeah, what no, it was. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> Lost so bad. Yeah. It was like, sorry, dude. It wasn't we, even yeah. a fight. Uh, um, but yeah, whatever it was, but I have, I have a couple super audio CDs and of course, you know. At one point, I did have an SACD player, and I swear there's probably only two CDs in my whole collection that mm-hmm. I play them on. It's sitting in the attic. Yeah, that was the weird <laughs> deal. It was like it had to be an SA player. But my buddy, when we were in college, so went to um, the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences in Tempe. And I mean, it's, a, it's basically a music school. And um, so we went we went there, and a friend of mine worked at uh, Best Buy. Oh, yeah. Um, another my branch. Another, Circuit City. <laughs> another branch that I'd, I didn't work at. That'd be dangerous um, for me back yeah. in the day. So, so uh, Magnolia Home Theaters was there, like, in-house. You know, you buy, you go in, you buy, like, the TV, the speakers, that, and they would come and install it. And it was, people go in there oh, spend, yeah. like, tons, oh, like, yeah. thousands of dollars. I installed stereos early yeah. on and worked at a place like that. Soundtracks. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so, so he, uh, he ended up getting, like, this insane Clipsch Audio uh, set and like got the essay player and it's such an audiophile nerd like me. Yeah. I remember like Incubus had one and it, <laughs> it was like, he's that kind of guy like you, you he put the CD in like everybody shh. Yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, of course. On the couch, like cross-legged and be like, isn't it amazing? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but the reality was, is it was so fucking good. Like, it, I mean, yeah. it sounded, you know, like even if they converted stuff or remastered stuff and put it onto an SACD like a Pink Floyd, yep. you would hear it and they would still they have that like tape saturation. Yep. They would still have that old feel, but like the clarity, I mean, it was, it was it, just it, So if you had the right gear outside of just the player, but had the right speakers and quite honestly, placement of those speakers was crucial and still is. But if you really had that dialed in, it is 
like hair on your neck. I mean, I can remember even on a movie gladiator, there's that opening scene where he circles the this thing that he's going to kill someone with around and you can hear that thing. all. I mean, it's amazing when yeah. it's done. Right. And I used to have that really dialed in when I was in my young age, young college ages, you know, dorm rooms to whatever crazy closet. Literally, <laughs> I lived in a closet about the size of this table because you could fit a single size mattress here in Durango. One of the first, you know, I mean, I've lived in some, but I always had great sounding music in those spaces and you could just sit there and if I was by myself and just jamming, I mean, it puts you in another place, and it is incredible. In fact, I've been really getting into vinyl lately, and some of these, uh, you know, I just got a Pink Floyd remix of the Animals album 2018 remix, so it's all, you know, re digitally remastered, mm -hmm. and these records, they come out now. I mean, they're three times the size of an older record. They're fat as crap, but, and of course, they're proud of them price-wise too yeah, like 50 or 60 dollars <laughs> sometimes for these things i think i paid 90 yeah. the other day for a, a pink floyd re, uh dark side of the moon disc but or vinyl but boy you know on a on a really good vinyl player which i got one of the ones down at toast one of the really good ones mm -hmm. and hooked it up and you know my wife and i it's it's pretty rad. It it's is different. pretty cool. It is different. And Such you know, a vibe, when you man. don't have all the pops of a crappy record and a crappy record player, and you get that thing really dialed in and balanced, I never really understood the science of it until I really started getting into it pretty recently, to be honest yeah. with you. I've always had a decent collection, but I just always had one of those Walmart players that plays tape, CDs, you know, the, <laughs> it's like 80 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Probably ruining every record oh, I ever played. Oh, the needles just, just yeah. screams. Oh man, it still blows my mind that technology. How the heck you get any sound out of that needle, putting it on there, and where the grooves? And I just, it's insane, insane. Cool, I think my actually. favorite album to listen to, well, a song actually to listen to it. I don't know. I don't know if I know the name of the song, but uh, it's Elton John. Uh, well, so yeah. it's uh, uh, love him. Mona Lisa's Truly. and Matt Hatter's sons, bankers, sons yeah, yeah. and lawyers. I forget what the name of that song actually is, but uh, my, my mother-in-law has that record. And so every once in a while, you know, we'll be out there and it's like a late night and it's like, put something on. And she's got so, so many records. But every time that one comes on, it's like, it just makes you want to like ballet to it. Well, yeah. You know, and, and the way that that chorus comes in, it's just, oh man, it just hits and it like, it makes you almost just want to like weep. It's got, it's a, Fucking great song. He's got a bunch of those that make me feel that way. Um, I mean, the one that they play on the bus and Almost Famous and just the way, I mean, it's actually giving me chills just thinking of it right now. Yeah. He, oh God, John. Yeah, he's got some. He's amazing. My daughter <laughs> is, so my family, I, I come from a background of musically inclined people that I'm probably the shame of the family that may have talent and still haven't discovered it. It's there. I know I hear musically i think differently than other people but i don't know how do you ever know that that's the beauty of life how, how do i know <laughs> yeah. if a strawberry is a strawberry sure. to you or oh anyway anyway go around that rabbit hole for an hour but um but my dad back in the 70s was a, a lounge player a piano player an organ dude um and he was actually a pretty bona fide one in denver and played at the broadmoor and was top play you know entertainer for a couple of years and was in the critic circles and kind of the hip places to be there for a while. And you should see some of the promo pictures. They're hysterical of him in these big long leather trench coats. And, <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. 
And he had an, a Hammond organ that I grew up as a kid being able to just sit in our living room and plunk on. I mean, full set commercial Hammond organ with the huge Leslie speakers that actually have the fans mm -hmm. in them so that oh, actually oh, make oh, it that sound instead of the recreated now versions. And um, just cool as hell, man. And the old knobs made of, you know, just I sat there and would just monkey around with it all the time. Anyway, um. So, I mean, he played, Al Pacino came in one night when he was filming some movie here locally and played with him. He played drums. So he just got, you know, he's kind of in the scene. And then actually it's because of me that he's not doing that anymore. Cause being the second now born son, my mom finally was like, <clears throat> all right, you're, you know, coming home at two, three in the morning every night, you know, you need to find something to do and ended up his career, which was selling Native American jewelry wholesale to stores in a in a seven state area ended up being kind of on a whim of a poker night with my uncle where it was my mom putting down the hammer of you know second baby enough is enough and uh, my other or my uncle who did that also and was like I bet you couldn't do it as good as I could my dad was like all right. Yeah. And then, like, the first <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. let's go everyone's got one of those in their family my crazy uncle stan love him to death but he's also super whacked out eccentric crazy dude anyway um he was pretty easy to beat him in the first month but he also realized he made pretty darn good money in that first month that was back when my parents were my mom was actually stringing necklaces and all that but anyway 40 now nine years later that's let's at our family and still does but anyway so but during the whole time of that he was still playing in the church all the time and so it was set up and tear down every week and i was the roadie i was always mm -hmm. doing the gear for him and doing all this stuff but and he played by ear i don't know if i mentioned that so that was where i was going with it is that he found out after the vietnam war that he could sit down and play hear a song and play the whole thing and never learned a single thing in formally so when he would play at the church bands and stuff, everyone would get the music and he'd be like, just give me a tape. Yeah. Like, can you yeah. give me the CD of the song? Yeah. What is, what is this? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so my daughter has that gift, my youngest Zoe. And she, and so where I was going with all that long story is talking about Elton John. Cause when she sits down and plays Elton John up there and can play Benny and the Jets pretty darn good. And, She'll go sometimes go downtown and play boom, on those pianos downtown. Boom, it's boom, so rad, boom, dude. It gives me the chills. Boom. And I'm so always <laughs> just like, if I could do that, that would be so awesome. I wish I had the outlet that those singers can get so passionate and scream into a microphone and be well known for it. I just get a hard time when I, my passion comes out and sounds like <laughs> angry or, yeah. and I'm really not, uh, I'm at a t 10 and everyone's at a two and I'm like, oh, we're just talking about mayonnaise. Yeah. What's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, why does he, what is he so uptight about? Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm just passionate about, I mean, it's not this bad subject, bad topic, bad example. I mean, but anyway, yeah, I was trying to make a point of something mundane yeah sometimes i just get you know yeah sometimes you're you're, you're reaching down and grabbing a, a six gear you know that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. all good uh yeah i've been accused of that a few times myself it's mm -hmm. like man my father-in-law is probably the every time i see him like hey he's hard of hearing you know because of the vietnam war but yep oh, uh, yeah. you know i love him to death but he'll usually let you rant and be like you're talking so fast 
Yeah, I do that and too. And I'm like, you want me to say everything I just said again? Like almost, you know, he'll look at me and, and I know he wants me to, but I'm like, dude, I've known you for almost 20 years. No, we're not. <laughs> you missed it. You missed it. <laughs> yep. So he listened to the, the show when we first started. It was funny. And, uh, you know, just trying to be supportive and which was really cool of him. But uh, he's, he, again, he's like, you're talking too fast on the podcast. I'm like, on the podcast? Oh, I was geez, like, that's probably yeah. the slowest I ever talk. Well, yeah. I was like, when I'm out in public and if I'm hyped on something, I'm going See, a thousand miles an hour because I'm this, that way too. like rabbit brain I have is just, uh-huh. you know, and, and especially like if you get on a topic that you like know and love music, I mean, yep. you know, something like that. Good God, dude. I can just. See, you know, it kills me and it, ha- it's, it takes so much restraint and I'm not at all is where I want to be with that yet in life is. Cause I'll think so fast ahead of where someone I can already tell what, you know, and so I end up talking over people and cutting them off. And then I'm always like, Oh, I don't want to do that. But now I'm committed. Like here we are and it's weird. And now they feel weird. So they, if I stop talking, they're not going to can, yeah, I don't know. I just, I try really hard to not do that too, but I do it far more often than not, especially again, like, especially with something that I really care about sure. and boy, I mean, I've had, I'll be, we'll be at restaurants sometimes with just the family or just friends and the wait staff come over and be like, Hey, is there a problem? Are you guys okay? Are you guys fighting? I'm like, Oh my God, no, this is us yeah, agreeing this, yeah, and this loving is good. life. Like, yeah. This is all good. I'm <laughs> just, I'm just into really it. excited. Can you bring some more drinks? <laughs> yeah, like, let's go. Right. <laughs> like, if you thought that, uh, holy crap, what do I look like? Pissed? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God. No, same, man. I think, uh. Oh yeah. I get my, I I find myself in that same scenario where, you know, especially like you say, if it's something that you really love and you're passionate about and if the other person, I'm always always that like equal passion and you're just like, dude, and it's not a, it's not a one upping. It's just like, you're sharing this thing. That's just all in. And if it's, if it's like something that was really ingrained in like your life in a, in a previous life, you know, like music for me is, it's just wild when somebody starts to talk about it or like, you know, audio stuff like this guy, the other oh, day, yeah. like he, he's recorded a few albums, um, with, uh, I met him, at, we were at one of my son's parties or something. And, uh, he's recording a record with Doug Eagle. He's done like three or four. Well, I used to work for Doug. Like that guy interned with him after college and then did all these amazing mixes, got to mix, huh. you know, Sunny yeah, Landreth yeah. at the Strader and, you know, did a bunch of cool stuff. And like, awesome. I realized I caught myself being like, I just got so excited to talk to this guy about someone that's from my past well, and yeah. I realized like in the middle of me getting crazy and like, just, I was like, oh shit, he probably had so much to say, but I just got really, really pumped and just started going. And so, <laughs> but I, I like caught his face being like, okay, like I, I just, he was just making like small talk of like, oh, you, you went to college. To, hey, that's cool. I, I record music. And do you know Doug? Yeah, I do. I think that was how they expected the back and forth, you know? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the badminton to happen, and I was yeah. like, "No, dude, I went in, <laughs> I went hardcore." So, well, see, my uncle Phil, when I was a kid, he was always the guy in our family, and he's a good day to give my uncle Phil props and a tribute. But he, um, he was a go getter, and he was always one of those guys that had the charisma. Never met a person that you never met a stranger, kind of a guy that I think of. Um, uh, Scott Maycock here in town. If anybody knows Scott Maycock, he's a guy like that, and he's a financial planner. He's the same guy. Like you, you just never met anyone that was an enemy and loved everybody. And he always told me, like, if you're gonna do something, just do it. Otherwise, just go golfing. He was a big golfer. I suck at golfing, so it was a terrible analogy for me, but I got the point. Yeah. Like, 
If you're going to sit and spend the time to do it, do it well. Otherwise, go do something you love. Sure. And and even if it's not productive, like it's it's still more, still a better use of your time than to sit there and not do whatever you are doing well or uh, to put your 100% focus into it. And that's where you get in the flow and time is doesn't exist. So why wouldn't you want to strive to always live there? Yeah. So that's where I try to be. Oh, man. Yeah, that is. I think that is the ultimate journey in everybody's life, or should be, is trying to get to that space where yeah. you can just be there in that oh, moment, man. Not be thinking of what's going on tomorrow. Not be thinking of whatever happened earlier today because it isn't going to change now, and certainly tomorrow isn't going to change. Thinking about it anyway, and gosh, I get caught up in it sometimes. I'll be thinking late at night, and then I'm like, "What are you doing? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you lost your." Oh, I used to be really good at that, actually, of just not, of just being in the moment always. And man, we would have so much fun. And whatever we did, whatever I was doing, it was the whole goal was those are my kind of two life philosophies. I think I said about it last time is either everything in life's a good time or a good story. And what I just said a minute ago, either, you know, do it well or just go do something else sure. that you'll do better. Yeah. Or the le- <laughs> at least that you love. I think you, you capitalize on it with like, you know, make sure you enjoy it. Well, yeah. yeah. And otherwise. not not everybody has the opportunity to do something that they enjoy, but whatever no. their life scenario is, they may not. I was that but, guy for a long time. And, and, and I found too recently that, you know, I've come across a few people, some people in my life that like, you know, I have so many, I, I, I my brain again is just constantly, constantly moving. Like yeah, I'm always trying to do something, always trying to progress myself, always trying to keep myself busy. Yep. Um, me too. And, and do certain things that kind of really uptick my, my like passion. Right. So if that's music or if that's this podcast or whatever, it's like, I, I push towards that stuff because I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's a part of me that like, doesn't want to let it slip away from my life. Yeah, uh, but but through that, I I kind of step away sometimes, and like my, like my mother, you know, I love her, bless her heart. Like she has no hobbies. Yeah, no. yeah. And my brother and I were talking about this hey, the other day, and I was like, too. same thing. He's like, man, mom doesn't like she. I mean, you, you like she doesn't knit, which is ridiculous, right? But like, you know, she doesn't do anything like no gardening, no nothing like that, and she's yeah. always just kind of been there. And I'm like, I can't in my brain. I'm like, how can you not have a hobby that piques your interest like whether you can't be in a band anymore because you're not 20 and you got two kids or whatever the case scenario do something that like always kind of like ooh, it's not quite the same feeling as standing in front of a thousand people and singing into a mic but it's like real similar it gets that that artistic side of your brain flowing and you know but how i i'm blown away that people can kind of go through this life and not have those hobbies so i'm actually really blessed that my brain works in in that fashion of hey I, i get to have these things that that i enjoy because you think about it, not not everybody really has that kind of mindset or that that kind it's of true. brain. You know, it's, it's weird. true. I find myself late at night, and you know, I I I know that six or eight hours of sleep is beneficial and all that, and I guess I'm either an insomniac or don't need it. But I'll find myself watching podcasts or my fa- comedians. Like I just <laughs> there's what I got. I can't even remember his name. I was going to mention him. I just saw him. I think he's going to be, this was like a classic instant classic, but so I've got another buddy of mine. That's kind of like you, but he'll send me stuff late at night like that. Also knowing that I'm probably awake. He's like, you got to check out this guy, Shane, Shane Gillis. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. He put out a new one called uh, beautiful dogs. 
It was, it was so good. I can't yeah. even describe how good, and I won't even try because it, it never come. You can never recreate it, and it kills it anyway. If you want to find see someone funny, it's hysterical. He's amazing. So he'll send me stuff like that, or you know, recently I'm really into the Jordan Peterson thing that is so mind blowing. I wish that I could be part of something like what he's doing where he sits down and they're disseminating. He's got like maybe nine or 10 people from all different walks of life from Jewish to atheist to everywhere in between. Oz Guinness is one of them, which I, one of my favorite artists, authors of all time. He's the uh, dude from the Guinness beer company. Mm -hmm. And He's an amazing writer and philosopher. Anyway, he um gets all these guys around the table and they're going through the book of Exodus and disseminating it and giving everyone's perspective, which just in that, in an, in that of itself is so amazing. Cause I mean, even just a, one of the first examples, this guy was talking about, you know, he's reading Jordan's reading and, and he, it, the first part of Exodus is just like, yeah, this guy was this guy's father and this guy's father was this guy's father and this guy's father. And, they're just going through lineage. And one of these guys stops him and goes, you just skipped over what our faith thinks of as one of the most profound verses in the whole Bible. And he's like, hell are you talking about? Yeah. It was just a bunch of guys talking about a bunch of guys, but he goes, yeah, but did you notice the sequence? Like here you have a bunch of guys that are saying name by name, by name. And the problem is, is here you have this one guy who was, and I wish I could remember their names, but it doesn't matter. Was one of the heroes, uh, in that, in that lineage. And, and already by the next generation, that dude, the new leader, didn't even know his name in that short amount of time. And I think in our world right now, that's, we're definitely experiencing yeah. a similar thing. So anyway, I just, he, this guy's pointing out how profound that is. And I'm just going right out of the gate. First, like thing they're already saying, I'm like, oh, I'm in. Like, yeah. this is going <laughs> to yeah. be pretty rad. I'm going to love this. And so, I mean always into things like that and sometimes i'll feel guilty or just like am i wasting my time like stuff like this but it's like absolutely not at the end of the day because that's what drives that's the passion that that's the poetry well you know that's sure. what's the 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 marrow of life as walt whitman calls it you know like if you're not no actually it wasn't walt whitman that said that it was henry david thoreau sucking the marrow of life and just why, you know, like what's, why not? Don't, you know, if you're waking up and let's do is whatever we're doing today is, so that's the kind of stuff that I love is just music and the art and poetry of what's behind it. And like really trying to listen to a piece and understanding what those dudes really meant mm -hmm. when they threw it down. And sometimes it's a lot, you'll, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'll listen to something and go, man, I've been listening to that for a long time and I never really, clicks differently it never really hit me the way i think it was meant to be until now like so yeah. just, i love those moments yeah jordan peterson uh hangs he's with so a, awesome. a different crowd for sure yeah i love well, the fact yeah, that he, he gets can, a bad rap sometimes he's misunderstood but he's really incredibly intelligent if you can get him you know like i mean i, th I think rogan's had him on probably three or four times but the last one it was like he was calmed down it was like hey instead of just bouncing like let's just stay focused and get through a topic yeah. And it was very well received. I mean, you know, and obviously the internet's going to, you know, destroy you for whatever you want. But oh, yeah, no um, matter what. Yeah. So, but he, I, I like the fact that he's willing to push the envelope, right? Oh, well, yeah. And, and at least the, he's and, out there. And, and, and a, you know? at a time of life where it's very difficult to push the envelope, you know? Um, he's asking the questions that should be asked 
talking about things from not just a naive, flippant conversation, which I think so many of the talking heads on TV do, mm-hmm. um, that it's like, man, you know, just to appreciate somebody, it's like I was given a hard time about the Grateful Dead and I wore this shirt in honor of what I said last time. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed the little dead bears. I just now. <laughs> <laughs> like, as I like, got to pull out my bifocals, I was like, oh, Jesus, yeah, it is. But that's yeah. on purpose because I, you know, because like the Grateful Dead, what my point of that whole conversation was to say that, first of all, I love the Grateful Dead. They're one of my favorite bands. One of the probably top five bands I've ever seen live. But at the end of the day, musically, I just was, I think they're horrible musicians. I think their music isn't awesome. Yeah. Doesn't turn me on like a lot of music does, but that was not necessarily the point either, you know. And mm-hmm. it, that that just speaks to the the diverse nature of what music is and how it moves people in different ways and for different reasons. Like, shoot, even the Moist Boys, which I challenge you to go listen to them if you never have. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, with a Z at the end, by the uh, way. Boys, oh Jesus! It, uh. It's not what you even think, but I'm telling you, even sometimes a band like that will th- it'll come up on my ra- random, and I'll be like. Hey, mm-hmm. like not my favorite, but all right. Yeah. That's rad. So anyway. Voice boys, I have to check them out. Um, I do want to play something. <laughs> sounds because, worse yeah, I was gonna say it sounds <laughs> pretty fucking terrible, but uh maybe just a bad bad name. Oh, there I mean it's hillbilly, like it's it, it's um oh how could I I can't. Yeah. They're 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 like ween it to me. Um they're just yeah. There's nobody like them. And I love a band like that. How many are there? Sure. No, that you can say like a band like Ween, like, oh my gosh. You know, I always heard, and I don't know if that's just a, you know, what do they call those, an urban legend, but I do actually think it's probably true in this case. But Ween always, uh, they recorded each album heavily under the influence of very diverse drugs. Mm. And that's why a lot of those albums are so, I mean, to me, you can listen to 12 Wayne songs, and if you didn't know any better, it sounded like you just listened to 12 different bands. Oh, yeah, for sure. Incredible like that. So yeah. I love a band like that, even though like Frank Zappa, love Frank Zappa, but a lot of his music, although genius, is unlistenable. Sure, yeah. But it's also incredibly genius, but intentionally unlistenable. Like he was Andy Kaufman, yeah. he, uh, you know, try, he amused himself and he was incredible, but sure. yeah. you're not going to pick up a lot of females by putting Frank Zappa on. I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. My wife uh, hates when he comes on. Sure. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that, that is a hard music for a lot of people to, to honestly just digest because most of us just want to hear. I mean, that's why if you look at, the theory of music. I mean, historically yeah. speaking, like certain types of songs sell on radio. We're ingrained to think about it. Like it's meant to be a, a verse, bridge, hook, chorus, yeah. verse, bridge, hook, chorus. That's right. You know, and like that, a that sells, and it's very palatable. That's why People, his albums, you like commercial. What was the uh, strictly commercial? That's mm-hmm. his whole intention was poking a finger at that and intentionally not being that. And yeah. then when you realize it and listen to what he's doing, it's like, man, that's. Sure. Yeah. Amazing. But it's, it takes like back in like, let's just say late 60s, 70s, right? When a, when an artist could go to a label and that label would give them time. I think, you know, you, you always hear like Springsteen, right? Yep. So Springsteen was on that record label. He put out his first three albums, three full length albums. That's a lot of money, even in the 70s. Like you go oh, into yeah. 
you know, you go into a studio and you're there for four or five weeks at a time every single day. Like that's a lot of money that that record label was investing into Bruce Springsteen. Yep. And he didn't have his number one hit until his third record, right? Yeah. And so you think about that, that's not the case anymore. But back back in the day when record labels would really buy into an artist and they would slow build that artist because they knew that they were going to recoup it down the road as long as they believed in him or her, you know, or a group or whatever. But you you would have like obscure artists like Frank Zappa. Yeah. That I mean, in today's <laughs> world, it's some of that I mean, stuff. They might have to go towards like, you know, the it's the like elect- blazing elect- saddle side. Yeah, elect- <laughs> electronic type. You know, where it's like it's more accepted to kind of do something weird and strange and odd. Yeah. Um Pink Floyd did that too. Some of that stuff, like even Echoes. What I honestly, one of my favorite songs in the world, and it's like a half an hour long song. Mm-hmm. Is echoes, and so much of it is that psychedelic, wispy, kind of floaty, hippie, Grateful Dead space and drums kind of an act, and you're just like, what the heck is going on? But that's why I love it is that dichotomy. I love bands like that that can build and have that because that's because then when they finally do come together, it's magical yeah. because it was so chaotic at first. It's one of the best songs. It gives me chills listening to echoes, but. You know, it's it's one of those that you, you somebody might listen to it and just go, "What the heck is he talking about?" Like this guy's got really terrible music taste, and <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, maybe the case, maybe so. But if you see what it is for what it is, and that that sine wave, if you if, if you will, of of how they tease you with a little, we're gonna mess around a little and then come back to it, and when it comes together, it just it's mad. I just love it. that. That was I think too. I got to experience. Um, a little bit of that. Obviously, I wasn't in the seventies. I didn't see a concert in the seventies. Pink Floyd, some big. of it, you know, on they YouTube. Changed everything. And, but when you when you had that theatrical performance, even as just a regular band, right? Like Skinner, you know, whatever they can do a seventeen minute solo. But a band that has the presence on stage to really, like, truly wow the crowd. Yep. Um, that gave those artists so much room to kind of move. Right. It did. A lot of it may have been, you know, drug induced as oh, far as I'm the sure. crowd there. And then they're just oh, kind of along for this ride in the oh, show. Yeah. But I experienced something I think as similar as it can get in today's world with, with a band when I went to watch um, Whiskey Myers last year at Red Rocks. Oh, yeah. And, Red Rocks. Sure. I mean, they came out head to toe, white sequence, flare. They played for two and a half hours. You know, they, they refused to open up uh, for any other band at Red Rocks until they could sell it out themselves, right? It took, you know, 10 years to build wow, yeah. their names large enough to do that. And they did, and we got to watch it. I took the kids. We uh, we yeah, opted yeah. not to even sit in our seats. We sat over under one of the trees and just like, and I was literally just wowed by them. Like the oh, performance. Yeah. It wasn't just playing your songs that we've heard on the records. It That's was right. a show, Yep. you know, and they had a six-piece choir behind them. They had all, I mean, there's nothing Fuck, like it was that. amazing. There's nothing like it. But I think that they have the liberty to kind of do it. certain types of things and mess around and go into this and pull you back and go on a little bit of a solo because like we're taking you on a on a journey, Daddy. Let's let's follow yeah. this thing. And bands or, or acts from the sixties and the seventies, you know, and even up in, you know, like up into the eighties, like the hair band stuff, that was still a show. Yeah, we were, oh, we were it playing was Ride the Lightning. We're about the we're show at that point. But like I was, was saying, like, the it's meat bigger of it than was just nothing. yeah, it's it was, bigger than just the music. It was serving you ramen noodles for lyrics and it was there was no meat to it at all. <laughs> it was garbage, but it was the show for yeah. sure. And people still to this day love it. But it was Pink Floyd and there, I think if you ever had to if you had to ask me who's your favorite band, I think it is 
for me, it would probably be Pink Floyd overall. Um, but they were one of those bands that changed that experience that we're talking about. Because, I mean, before it was like the Beatles and the Stones and you had all these people that were great showmen and they put on a good show on concert, but it was white lights and mm -hmm. stark and clean and that was it. Man, Pink Floyd came out and they, they were the ones that started quadraphonic stereo uh, at a in a concert. So in a live show, they played quadraphonic, which was stereo and four they yeah. were they were the pioneers of all of that. So when you would go to their shows and it would blow people's minds, especially of course, which you know Pink Floyd started as psych rock, psych prog rock, whatever the heck you call it. The yeah. genres sometimes piss me off; they don't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, and, and they just sound made up in and of themselves. But you know, of course, they became more of a pop rock kind of a band. But at the beginning, they were. I mean, oh my gosh, you listen to. Adam Hart Mother or Roger Waters did a solo record called The Body and it's just fart noises and mm. literally burps. And I mean, I swear to God, it's some of the craziest thing you've ever heard. <laughs> You'll never listen to it a second time, but it is worth uh, just for the sake of hearing someone do something really whacked out. It's probably a joke. It's an interesting listen just for, I mean, I just, there's a movie Tideland like that. I can never get anyone to bite. It's with Jeff Bridges even. It's, I think it's the most, if you're a, a movie fan you have to watch this movie tideland no and uh, i i've rented it to dozens of people nobody will watch it and it's always because i tell them which i shouldn't but at the very beginning that's i think it's the best hook of all time and for everyone else in the world it's a turnoff maybe i'm weird but it's the producer of the movie who comes out and goes almost all of you are going to hate this movie <laughs> right out of the gate yeah. Let's go. And he's like, it's this perspective. It's this horrible scene. Jeff Bridges is a heroin uh, addict and he dies. This little girl, Eliza Rose. It's seen through the innocent eyes of childhood, mm -hmm. despite the dichotomy of the horrible scene that they're in the middle of. And she's playing. He's like, I'm going on vacation. So this little girl's helping him make the heroin needle and the whole thing. And all of a sudden, you know, he he dies, overdoses in this crazy abandoned uh, farmhouse in the middle of Kansas. And I I won't kill the whole movie because there's some of the most incredible video scenes I've ever seen in a movie in this movie. But it's, I don't know, it's it, it's movies like that that I just... What is it called? Tideland? Tideland. Tideland, okay. Yeah, it's just showing this, again, the innocence of the, the child. She's playing on his dead body. And, you know, it's like visceral scenes, but, you know, I think that's the, that's, it's, it tells a profound story that, um, you know, it's just, it's, I love stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So music like <laughs> the Moist Boys or some of that early Adam Hartmother, Pink Floyd stuff is so interesting to me because if, if you can detach yourself from the palatability or lack of it, um, and see what they're doing and why. Yeah. Which, if we can do the same in communication, we'd all be a beautiful society. But it's the same thing with music. Like, I can appreciate anything or anyone. I'll go, I will literally, and I've said this ever since I was, I can remember being of age to go to concerts. I'll go to any show that's live if I'm not, I'll go see anybody. Mm -hmm. Kitty, I came across this, this cookie monster band of, females that 
I thought was going to be the most hysterical thing as a Slayer hardcore metal fan was just going to be like, oh my gosh, these yeah. gals, like <laughs> this is going to be so stupid, but here we go. Love them. Still one of my favorite bands. I just, I love them. I mean, so, you know, you never know what you're going to get sometimes. Sure. And sometimes the opposite is true. One of the, I, I would say not one of the, uh, the worst concert I've ever seen live was Guns N' Roses. I can imagine that. I've heard the horror stories. Awful. Yeah. Like recent Guns N' Roses or so, back in the prime? Well, 90, I'll tell you exactly, 92, 93. So it was my first year of college here at the fort. And I drove to freaking Denver to buy tickets. This is back in the day when you couldn't do it the way they do now. But I drove to Denver to get tickets and drove back. I drove to Denver for the show. Metallica was great because they opened up for them. So that was worth it. Thank you goodness but you know they played like three songs and axel got all upset because there was some popping in the uh mic and he freaking yanked the cord out of it and walked off for 45 minutes did not come back didn't nobody thought he was going to come back um it was kind of interesting because it turned out to be a show your it's fest <laughs> everywhere in the crowd. Yeah. So that was interesting and kind of funny as a teenage kid, but um, first college, freshman college year. Uh, but it was, it was kind of funny because it was all of a sudden because one person did it and got a crowd's attention. Then everybody was yeah. doing it. So it was funny. Anyway, 45 minutes, all of a sudden the slash goes out and does a 45 minute long harmonica solo. Oh my God. <laughs> just slash. And I swear to you, it was 45 minutes long. Just him uh, playing harmonica. Yeah. He came back out and finished the song that he walked out like a child on and then left and never came back. And I swear it was only like two or three songs. Yeah. That was, I think that was kind of pretty common with some of the hair, hair bands back in the day. It was just he like was so much, Madonna. yeah, so much, you know, drama and, um, little popping. Yeah. In the but, mic. What's going on here? I mean, is that is really what you're going to cry about? I yeah. mean, are you serious? Nobody even uh, cares out there. Yeah. At that kind of music, you could, half the guitars, you might not even be hearing them. They could be not even connected. You wouldn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just noise. Sure? Some of it. Oh, God. It's thrashing distortion. I mean, that's the point. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Anyway, that was the worst show I've ever seen. When was that? You said 92? 92. It was either 92 or 93, but it was that freshman year of college. You ever see Rage Against the Machine live? No. No. That would be a a huge regret of mine. I would love to see them. They were definitely a favorite band of mine. Still are. Still love those guys. I I missed an opportunity to watch them. I mean, this is obviously well after. So this would have been... I'm trying to think of the time frame, maybe 2006, 2007. I think they played, um, it wasn't Lollapalooza. What's the other big one? That's a big festival in, um, oh, in California. Not the, gosh, not the one with all the drugs, but some of the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Either way. All I ever yeah. can think of is Laguna Seca days from Red Tour out in California. Uh, uh, so they, that yeah, was they, the first festival I went to. For some reason, I, I, I don't know. I had to like, I, something came up with work or I couldn't get around it. I had already purchased the ticket and, um, yeah, I ended up giving it to my, one of my buddies or he paid me for it or something. And 
I mean, I just remember seeing this was like early, early days of like you could record a very rough video, like almost like an eight bit type video on a on a flip phone. Yeah, yeah. And just my friend that I gave the ticket to, just I, the C, like wacko 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 wacko. <laughs> yeah, dude. Wacko, oh yeah. Wacko, 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 See, wacko, that gets me going wacko, right away. Wacko, like wacko, you were saying wacko, about your wacko. gym post the other yeah. day. Oh, man. Like some uh, of that is good stuff right there. It was there. crazy, though. You said like the, there was such a the, – the depth of the crowd, and, and for some reason, they didn't have the speakers delayed properly. So as you were getting in real-time delay. So jack up, jack up, you know. And so like people are jumping, and they're sandwiched together. Literally, oh, yeah. like just wanting to see Rage Against the Machine, I die right? a few times that yeah. way. And so the front of the crowd starts to go. And <laughs> he says like literally the crowd is doing like almost like a wave pull. Yeah. And you're just, you're going with it. Here we go. Yeah. You know, oh, I've almost, been in almost there like scary where, you, where you're, you're a little panicked. Well, yeah, I've had that. Oh my gosh. Where you, I, my, my, I'm leaning so far over. If, if everyone moved, I couldn't even stand there on my own anymore. But it's like, you got to kind of go with the lean and just hope that you don't end up on the ground because you do. You, yeah, trampled. Yeah. yeah. I always loved mosh pits because, ironically, I never actually ever felt that way in a mosh pit. Because mm-hmm. everyone was always so down about wanting to just level you and then immediately being like the dude who was going to, uh, they would murder someone to make, you know, keep everyone away from you if you were on the ground. Like, yeah, it was just a cordial They'd get you back up off the ground. There was a brotherhood there. It was an honor. It was a respect. It was like if you did, if you didn't kill me, you know how did I just posted something? How did I posted that same thing? Uh, and it was the it, I, it's the beginning of a uh, Lamb of God song, which if you haven't, they oh, are they're like the workout. You know, I can't uh-huh. I can't do. I mean. They're amazing. I just cannot do like hip hop. Like there's sometimes like I mean I could listen to some old like Nas or something when I'm doing certain things. And that's but the when only I one need that to like get it going, like yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm gonna this workout's gonna be horrible. No, I'm putting on some straight up metal. Like I mean, same, it's same with you know, me. And NF is the only rap that I can listen to in that setting because he's so passionate and angry sounding that mm-hmm. he gets me going yeah. on the right ones too. But um. Yeah, I love that stuff, and the harder the better, honestly. And and I, once you're really good at the rhythm, the rhythms of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I just oh, that's my sauna. There's only I been like two or stuff. three times that I can sit in the sauna and listen to something, you know, relaxing. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to relax to this hell. No, give me something that's gonna hurt my eardrums. Like you know, normally I'll I'll go to my metal shuffle, but I'll start it with Norma Jean. Uh, like this song off of a Redeemer album that they put out in, I don't know, early 2000s or something. And it just, it hits and I'm fucking just air drumming. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh! you know it's, no it's concert like, gives me a better, I love live music. It's probably my favorite thing to go see and do. Always has been. <clears throat> and no band, despite how good they are. I've seen Pink Floyd 96. It blew my mind. It was incredible. I've, I've had a lot of, I've seen a lot of really, really great shows, but nothing gets me more just i don't know how to describe the feeling of it almost like an out of body just so into it so having having so much fun and just jam uh, nothing is better than like hardcore metal like that Mm -hmm. especially when you know the songs and you're on it like slayer shows to me i think are (laughs) they're so there's i've seen them probably more than any band in terms of frequency I'll, I'll go anywhere. I'll I'll drive anywhere. They it, it's just so much fun. It's crazy. It's it's ridiculous and over the top. But that's 
Definitely the point. And again, those mosh pits and all of that, they're so fun to get into. I'm always the little guy at the ping pong. I'm a ping pong mosh pit guy. Like you throw me around against everybody else. I'm not the big dude that can walk up and just stomp around and take people out, but I never try to be. Um, But, oh, it's just so much fun. I always said, I've said it since I was, uh, again, another thing that I think would help save society. If everyone could go to a mosh pit once a month and just get it out in that environment where it is (laughs) a, I do want to knock you over as hard as I can. And then as soon as I do, I am the first to be like, just pick you up and get the aggression. It's not even like any of it hurts. It's not like it's a violent thing. It looks like it. I saw a Red Rocks mosh pit uh, at the Clash of the Titans, and that must have been in the mid-'80s. Clash of the Titans tour, it was Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, uh, Iron Maiden, and Alice in Chains opened for them. Of course, no one knew who Alice in Chains was, was at the time. So when they came out, and there's all these Slayer fans. And I don't care what other band is playing. If Slayer is playing... The fans always demean every other band and just scream Slayer at them all night. Yeah. It's just part of what <laughs> sure. Slayer people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they're, they're they were me. ruthless. And this was back in the day in Red Rocks when you could bring anything that you wanted as long as it was in plastic. Mm. So you people would walk in with whiskey jugs full, milk jugs full of whiskey. And I mean, you could bring in as much booze as you wanted as yeah. long as it was in plastic. And I saw people filling up jugs full of pee and bombing them at Alice in Chains, booing them off stage. I've never seen a band boot off stage harder in my life. And then the very last song, they played Man in the Box. And then, of course, everyone in the crowd was like, oh, I know you these guys. guys. And so <laughs> yeah. then I was like, you should have played it first. <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. Oh, dude. Because like, I like Alice in Chains. I dig those guys. But at the time, I was like, I didn't even know who are these guys. And oh, man, craziest show. I, but what I was going to say about that was that was a dangerous mosh pit. Mm-hmm. I've never before or since seen a an allowed to go on mosh pit at Rod, Red Rocks because you can imagine – there's not much room to stand. I was going to say, what it's, do they even... It's not, and that circle was a normal-sized mosh pit, so people were getting straight effed up, dude, yeah. like falling down flights of stairs. And I mean, it was it was crazy. I've never seen anything like I've it. I've seen some pretty brutal <laughs> mosh pits at, at Warp Tour. I, uh, we uh, Some of them aren't as nice. Yeah, I mean, there's a Depends different... The band, yeah, there's Yeah, there's like, you know, the, some of the ones where it's like full-on like kicking and this new like age thing, but... Uh, some of the younger, yeah. When it's when it's a mosh pit, it, you know, like you say, it's it's not meant to be dangerous. It's meant to be Rage. like almost like celebratory. Yeah, you know, like, Deftones, yeah. you know, Metallica mosh pit or corn. I mean, you're not going to get... You're going to have a brotherhood at those mosh pits, but yeah. some of those punk bands or I don't know, like... Reaching for change. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's a different... That is trying to hurt people. Yeah, that is full on. Throw, we're throwing elbows. It's going to hurt. There's a few yeah. mosh pits that I've been like, I love to mosh, and I've stood there and been like, uh, uh, yeah. I'm not a pinball today. <laughs> yeah, this one doesn't does look, look like look they safe. like pinballs. It looks um, like they're trying to hurt people. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> like, I talk about this quite often, but I think it's crazy how, like, you can hear a piece of music and... I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure everybody feels this, but you can hear a piece of music and it takes you back to a literal specific oh, moment yeah, in time. all the time. Usually, I mean, for me, it a lot of it is lot, shows, actually. but sometimes it's like that point, you know, like, like for instance, that, uh, you know, uh, um, I vividly, rem- like every time it happens, 
um, the uh, like you put on Elton John, right? Yeah. That song, you yep. know, and I when that chorus hits, song, it's like I what can I picture picking my daughter up and literally foolishly kind of dancing like we're in a ballet. Yeah, yeah. And it, it that that when Mona Lisa's in my bedroom, you know, and it it takes you to a specific. So now I hear that song, and it takes me to that very moment, like holding oh, yeah. my daughter. You know, in, in my mother-in-law's living room, just dancing. Or you hear this thing and it takes you to that like time. And that's where music is always for me. And, and I, I feel for people that don't get this out of music. Yeah, me because too. Because it is, there's days where oh, it's the most, it changes your entire outlook, in the world. you know, because sometimes you just wake up for unknown reasons and you're just not quite in it. You know, it's like, yep. what's going on? You slept bad or whatever. Or who knows? You just, I don't know, maybe your circadian rhythm's off slightly and you just, I feel it's kind of weird, but you can play something and it takes you to whatever space you allow it to take you to. Like yep. It's like takes you to that mindset. And I love it even more. Like, and kind of since we've started sharing, sharing some music back and forth, it'll, I, I've just started going into like, you know, I, I do listen to Spotify a lot. Um, I, I like their algorithm and the way that it, um, it actually plays a little different. They, they, yeah. They play back at a higher volume. I've had so. a hard time adopting those. Yes, yeah. But so I'm I'm still an Apple music guy or so whatever am I. it is. Yeah. But I all that, that stuff I've too. got it downloaded. And so I'll just go to song and just hit shuffle. That's what I do. Some days That's what I was gonna it say. pisses me off and I'm like, I'll close the app and redo it again. Yeah. But there's some sometimes. Sometimes you get in a bad run, yeah, yeah, and start it over. That's right. It just hits though, and you're like, That's oh, what dude I forgot about this song. And then it's like whoo, the flurry dude, of That's memories. why I do it and have done it that way for years. And I don't know how or how I can explain that, but it's I'll, especially on long drives. I mean, I can be in that funk and be driving to Telluride and all of a sudden have these songs that just on shuffle will come up and it couldn't be better, more perfect timing. Mm -hmm. And some sometimes you'll get in those runs where it's like there's six or seven where you're like this has been the best i couldn't have dj'd this any better and i have an inordinate amount of music always so this is a two terabyte phone yeah i've got two terabytes downloaded on my phone so that when i'm driving to tell you ride there's dead zone yeah <laughs> no interruptions that, that <laughs> won't quit playing which drives me crazy so i mean i have oh i think my collection's up to Oh, I think I've got over 50 terabytes of music right now that I could, I, we were joking about it between not only my CD collection, which is obscene and records and my digital, I could host infinite radio stations for weeks, months. Yeah. I'd never play the same thing. I could play. I just, I, I have a lot and a lot of it is not just, you know, Pearl Jam albums, which I do have all of catalogs of a lot of people, but it's a lot of pretty rare, obscure stuff out of print, a lot sure. of bootleg stuff. I have more, I have a Bob Marley collection that a, the guy that gave it to me said, don't ever share this online. And he, and he would get all mad at me anyway, but that, that just doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Some of this live stuff. So I, I've got a lot of. Really, you, really good stuff. When, but I when love it so much. iPods first came out, and you could oh, go yeah. to somebody's computer, I and had you could like <laughs> plug it in and then like pull from their catalog yeah. on. Yeah, that was like before they password protected oh, everybody. Mm -hmm. Buggers. 
Hundred and sixty gig iPod, which they didn't make for very long. Still I, have it. I had like whatever the fattest one was, and it was like a brick. You felt like yeah. And yep. for years, I would if you went to somebody's house, like, hey, you got any music? It's like, in yeah, my wife's yeah. truck oh, right man. now. Like, oh, I want that. I want that. I want that. Like, sweet. Yep. I had so many B side. Like, f- like I had some stuff from Outcast that I don't know that they actually. I mean, somewhere it's published, but I'd never heard it on an album. And like, yeah. I had some really, really obscure. Like, uh, be, like true B side records from some bands that I just absolutely loved, or like I'm obsessive live. about it. But been. they, so we, <laughs> I left it in the car one night, and this is when we lived um, across the street from the Iron Horse. We bought a condo there years ago. Oh yeah, somebody breaks into my wife's car, takes the iPod, takes her social security card, some other stuff. We realize like, oh God, what's going on? So we make a police report. Well, they yeah. find the kid. They get all the stuff back. Oh. They get my iPod back. He wiped it uh. and put. All like so garbage. much horrible, horrible mainstream like rap. Yeah. And some, I mean, like I can enjoy a rap song every once in a while, depending on the artist, but like, oh man. And those are just like, I would have to be in the moment of like, okay, we're, we're at some random house party. And this guy tells me he's got this like awesome playlist built. I'm going to download six or seven of the, like I could never recreate what I had on that freaking iPod. Yeah, and it destroyed so, me. It so, destroyed so me. You know, and that was terrible. when it was like, they still had the disc. You could hear it running. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh yeah. Oh, I think about that all the time. I'm like, oh man, I remember that song, but it's like, I'll never be able to find it because now you look for it and the only stuff you can find like on Apple music or you know, a lot of stuff's harder to find. A lot yeah. of good stuff. That I, and I had, I mean, yeah, that's, I had a, I've got it all on so many redundant things because I've had people over the years. I mean, the guy from Bread um, took all this Grateful Dead for me because I don't, I think I mentioned it last time, but I have probably 90, 95% of every Live Dead show that they ever played. Wow. And, I've passed it around to a bunch of people, but none of these guys ever know techie enough to even be able to use a external hard drive. Um, but I've passed it to so many people and then they've lost it all. And so I keep it in, I've got it on like 10 redundant hard drives so mm-hmm. that no matter what happens, I'll always be able to re- retrieve it. But that's always been my fear is have all this music that I've compiled for decades. Um, and then, I took my whole digital, my CD collection back when CDs and all this was becoming new and turned it all digital. I mean, it took me so long. I've spent so much time just organizing and back in the Napster days, downloading entire yeah. catalogs of people. Like it was back when you could see, you could download entire discographies. So, oh, yeah. So I, I wouldn't just find a Frank Zappa song. He's got yeah. like 70 albums. And I can remember being like, the Frank Zappa discography, and all I had to do was click one button and yeah. wait maybe three days back in the before Lars bandwidth days. <laughs> but and all and now I have, and I still have all. I have every album he ever made, and sever. I mean, in every band that I'm into, I guarantee you, I have it. Sever, you know, some kind of import or something of it, because I just you'll find nuances or ways that they used to i just i don't know it's hard to it's hard to even describe without just getting in and you know yeah i love that though man like i'm so i mean we are honestly cut from the same cloth when it comes to this stuff it's just such a an audiophile mentality well that's why i love it when you share those because there's few people there's not many that i've met my life that are like that that share like that so i love it even though even sometimes if it's just like, what the hell is this? I'll yeah. hold stuff and be like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That one, I, you know, I, I had seen 
that uh, uh, what is her name? Maggie Rogers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, man, she's, yeah, she's amazing. She really she's is. different. You know, very mm-hmm. uh, just like this like weird vibe. But um, it's I, an I, offbeat. Yeah, she's weird, definitely. but in a great in the greatest of ways. Like, oh, oh, who's a who's a good example? Uh, what's her name? It's on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh my god, I'm gonna have to look at my phone for a second, but. So Maggie, Tosh Sultana, um, some of these, oh, they're just so good. And they're a lot like that. Uh, but there's this one gal. I know she starts with a K. Oh, and I was going to tell you, for rap guys, if you haven't ever heard of Run the Jewels, I think they're oh, one yeah. of the best. Oh, oh yeah. I love them. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm not going to sidetrack it by looking for this. I can keep talking, but um, <laughs> no worries. Um, what is her name? She's weird like that, too, and she's so worth listening to and different, and I just really dig that. You might have yeah, actually texted me that after the okay. I posted that Maggie Rogers song for you. Um, yeah, just I posted ish. you. I, gave, I sent you another Maggie song that I like, the one oh, yeah. about dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I went and I went and downloaded K Flay. That's three, me. What is it? K Flay. K dot Flay. K Flay. Okay. She's so weird. And Check it out. I love it. Some of she's that stuff is weird. just obscure. It puts you in the weirdest kind of cool vibe. Actually, so uh, she's one of the few. So Maggie Rogers is one of the few, like cool, calm mm-hmm. artists that I can listen to while I'm in the sauna. Yeah. Because it's like you're you're still moving, right? But you're not. Yeah. You're not like trying to like get into the flow. It's like this like. It's it's constantly bouncing you back and forth and in different angles and, yeah, and yeah. so yeah she's awesome. Um, we were very ta- talented. What were we talking about? I, I forget what it was, but we we were going through some stuff. Um, I was talking about it kind of in the beginning of the show, but uh, you said something like sometimes you hear a song like a thousand different times, right? Have you heard mm-hmm. it? Um, and I so my son had downloaded uh, Macklemore. I'm not a huge Macklemore fan. But this, I a, dig his lyrics. Uh, He's on. Dude, point. I want to play this because I. I mean, everybody has heard his song "Glorious," right? Mm-hmm. I think it's glorious. Yeah, so, it is. Yep. I mean, is that the one that he wrote about his grandmother's birthday? I'm not. I, you know, I'm not sure. I honestly, I want to play it right now. There's a couple I really like his because lyrics, I've dude. heard that song a thousand times. My son, he's got a little playlist that we do for soccer or whatever, and he's always jamming and singing in the back. But I listened to that. It actually came on, oddly enough, in the sauna the other day and shuffle again, and I'm like, okay, I know this song. And I just stopped and just truly listened to the first verse. It's weird that you mentioned him. And was like, whoa, 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 man. Yeah, and I he's mean, it was lyrical. Like, he's one of those like sneaky got, lyric guys. It was like, man. He's smart. He's, was, but, but it like we were talking about some stuff privately. He's a little, uh, you know. Candy pop. Yeah, but like, listen, we got to listen to this. We got to listen to this. It's so weird that you brought him up because just today, somebody on my feed posted that they, he took his son to a Macklemore concert and he commented that it was one of the best concerts he'd ever saw. And I was like, really? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Really? It might be, I don't know. Because I I can dig Macklemore. I get where he's coming from, but I also can see how sometimes it's like, I don't know. But lyrically, I think he's a very smart guy. This right here coming up. I got a new attitude and a lease on life. 
a piece of mine. Seeking to find, I can sleep when I die. Want a piece of the pie, got the keys to the ride and shit. I'm straight. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. Get on my way. I'm running late. What can I say? I heard you die twice. Every year in that grave. And the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name. So when I leave here on this earth. Did I take more gun again and look up for the people? Did I do it off of fame? Yep. He's smart. Yes, yes, got a chance to start again. Yeah, that 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 verse. Uh, See, you know, he's smart, man. I like I him. It, but it hit me though, because it's like it always is just there, and he's rapping, and, and it's like it is a good beat, and you, you, obviously we're moving towards a chorus, and you know that the chorus is coming. But like when I heard that the other day, it's like it, it just it kind of just blew me away because it gets you it gets you questioning like what are you doing that's that's worthy like right whether whether that's your belief in God, whether that's your belief in yourself, whether that's your uh, position in your marriage, whether that's you as a father. And it was just like, when he says, you know, I heard you die twice, once when they bury you in that grave, and the second time is the last time that somebody mentions your name. Mm -hmm. So when I look back on this life, did I take more than I gave to do it for the people or did I do it all for fame? And it's mm -hmm. just like, that that's awesome. I mean, that, that, you know, I mean, I, you've heard that concept, obviously, dying no, twice, right? Well, yeah, but totally. But just no, totally. like- and then the chorus is so for me, it like, you know, um, I feel glorious, glorious, got a chance to start again. Like, man, like, I feel a lot in this life, like, especially coming out of like the last five years of my life. Yeah. Like, I've been somebody, right? I don't know if this is like, you know, if, if, if you're a man of God, you know, somebody would say, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, God has granted you the ability to kind of keep going, right? You've, you've beaten this battle. There's something bigger than you that you're designed for. What, whatever you believe is kind of irrelevant because it's like, I truly feel like I've been given a second chance at life, mm -hmm. you know? And it wasn't, it wasn't like I experienced something that killed, that almost killed me, right? I didn't go to the hospital or something, but it's like every once in a while, it's like you go through these fucking hardships Mm -hmm. And you don't think as a person that you can get through them. And it's like, that's, that chorus hits so hard. And it hit way different in the sauna the other day. And a lot of times you're just so out of your mind. It's so funny. You hit, and it's you like, hit me with these. It just, ah, it, it just blew me away. And it was like, I, I was going to send that to you. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of want, I want to just talk about that specific piece of music on the, on the show. Because like, it's weird. It's like, I, I do think a lot of times that we're doing so many things like right here, right now, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I know you went through some stuff uh, very recently. And it's like, and I appreciate the friendship that we get to share this off mic sometimes. And it's yep. like, but when we were talking about some things and it was like, that, that chorus just, it hits in a way that's just like, sometimes like it, it is a second chance and you kind of got to be grateful. And it was like, man, it just, I don't know. When I heard that in the sound of that day, it just it it hit so hard and so well that I was it Im immediately made me think about you, and I was just like, 
Like, I don't know, man. Some, some, there, there's something, whether it's otherworldly or whatever, like there's, there's a, there's a line and it's like, you get that opportunity every day to kind of wake up and move forward. Yeah. And it's like how you moved through some of the bullshit that you had to deal with recently. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, I feel glorious. Exactly. Glorious. You have no I idea how, how much what you're saying now hit is hitting on that ley line or whatever you'd call it. Uh, that's what I would call it from an astronomical kind of perspective. But you hit those points that all of a sudden, how do they, just like we were talking about music, all of a sudden they come up. You're hitting those with me right now because it's funny. Macklemore came up today and hasn't in a long time. And I was having a conversation with this guy today about Christianity and one of what I think is the biggest falsehoods of it, which is exactly what you're talking about, is that some people have this misinterpreted um, idea that the saying that God will never give you more than you can handle. Couldn't disagree more. In fact, on a tangent and a side note, I'm always thankful for when I look back at life for the hardest times I've gone through because of about what I'm going to say, but you learn that if God didn't give you more than you could handle, two things would happen. First, you would learn that life is about relying on yourself. And if you're in a Christian perspective, it's not. It's the opposite of that. It's relying on God, right? So how can you rely on God if he doesn't ever give you things that you can't handle? But from a more applicable life application perspective, despite anybody's religion, same second principle is that you would never grow if you weren't challenged past what you are capable of. A rubber band only goes this far until you start stretching it. It wasn't capable of going this far. You'll break it. But until you start stretching, all of a sudden you make a freaking rubber band go like all the way out here. And we're not able to expand unless we are stretched beyond what we're capable of. So nowhere in the Bible does it say that God's going to never give you what you're capable of. I think they misinterpret that it's like 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says God will never tempt you past what you're capable of and he'll always give you an out but really that just speaks to what i was talking about that out is usually him so it's again he will never tempt you past what you're capable of so long as your eyes are focused on him he'll give you the out if you can see it and then it's not that hard quitting smoking was the easiest thing for me i thought it was gonna be terrible gave me the out i can't tell you how long i would how much earlier I would have quit smoking cigarettes if I'd realized that whole reality and quit smoking. Like it's so applicable in so many ways, but nowhere in the Bible is there a truth or a belief. And I think so many in society are wrong. It does harm when you spread those lies because then people go around thinking, oh, well, God's not going to give me anything more than what I can't handle. <laughs> Probably the opposite <laughs> of that is true more than anything. And so, and if you can learn that that perspective is true, then you'll find the benefits and the bad things that happen. Gosh, I see so many of these coaches, gurus, and positivity, numb-minded zombies that think that <clears throat> life is about trying to feel good and all of that. And I think that's the most satanic saying of it all. Do what thou will, right? Do, it, do what makes you feel good. So end of the day, I'm not saying we shouldn't be striving to feel good or positivity, be happy, all of that, but the learning comes in the hardship. So if you can embrace that, you learn to realize that we assign these positive and negative attributes to things that happen to us that are erroneous at the end of the day, because losing my job at Mercury was the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Now that I look back at it, I'm like, 
if I didn't get fired, I'd probably still be sitting there soul-sucking my life to death for the golden handcuffs and wondering why at the end of the day, well, I had any purpose in life. Now I don't have to answer. I know the answer to that question. I don't have to ponder it. And it became through that fire and trial of losing a job the day after I signed on a home with children and in an expensive mountain town to be living in and all the anxiety that I could have allowed to overcome me because of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I don't enjoy going through tough times, but I've learned really to look at them differently and embrace them, embrace them for what is meant to be learned through it. Cause at the end of the day, how can anything hurt you if everything's a learning experience, both good or bad, everything in life's a good time or a good story or a good way to learn something. And it's that story. Like that's the story. I have a good story from a best learning. And some of those I can name dozens of them that have been through times that were tough. So I don't know. I mean, I don't enjoy it. Today wasn't great, but at the end of the day, it didn't kill me. Look at me. I don't care. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Uh, I just, I've learned to not dwell on them. I've dwelt on some of that. It just goes down a, it's like two kites that catch each other and then they end up and they both crash. You just dwell on it. It's learning to just cut loose. It just takes so much of your time. Like it, it takes does. so much of your energy, I should say, more so than time to dwell realistically on anything, especially a negative thing. You know, like if, if, if you just like start to quantify that time of like, I, I was telling you kind of off air, we just dealt with some, some very personal stuff. And like, I just found myself like, dwelling on it being yeah. angry starting to feel vindictive oh yeah well i'll fucking yep. show you that was where my brain oh, was yeah. at and oh, i just I get like, down that road pretty easy i already don't sleep and, I try day. and it's just like so it's like you're just like hitting all these things these like triggers and i just kind of woke up from it being like Oof, what like that yep. that just took so much of your time and, and energy to to like try music. and like justify your position in this bad scenario. Yeah. And it was like, that's kind of why, you know, this, the episode that dropped today on the podcast, like I, I kind of had to come in and like, I didn't say anybody's name, but I aired some dirty things and the people that were part of it, they'll know. Yeah. But it's not, it's not my place anymore to like, to, to call anybody out or to, to make something public that doesn't need to be public. But I had to be like, you know, like you took my energy. Yeah. That's something that I can't get back. You took my time. That's something I can't get back. Oh yeah. So it was like I had to be like cut, move on with my life. And but obviously hindsight being what it is, it was like why would you do that? But I'm going to learn from that hardship. Like next time I find myself in that situation, you you as well. It's like you you'll know it. You know, you might have named the demon. You'll be yeah. able to be like I can I can remember it. Yeah. And because you know it, it felt like this last time. And you know that it's going to suck that energy from you. You know that it's going to suck that time that you're never getting back away from you. And if you can see it ahead of time, it's like, Phew, all right, well, I don't, I don't need that. I'm just going to, I'm going to walk away from this and keep focused on my, on my stuff. And it's like, so that the dwelling on, it's, it's so bad. It makes you just feel like absolute garbage inside mentally, like you're fatigued and it's just, but yeah, like you say, sometimes the saving grace when, you can pray all you want, but every once in a while, it's a badass song that comes on. That's it like, helps me Whoa. snap out of a mood so <laughs> quickly and easy. Yeah. I've used it so many times and helped gain a different perspective that that puts me in the, the place that I need to be. And a lot of that kind of is relative. Where if even with, even if it's bad music in terms of what's aesthetic or palatable or 
if you can step aside and find the value in something like that, life is so much more beautiful. So I've learned to, I used to always say, Oh, I'll listen to anything, but, uh, but country, man, I, now some of my favorite, I mean, Chris Stapleton, like, I mean, there's, so yeah, I've learned to not limit things that I might not necessarily like find the value in it. And then all of a sudden see it in a different way. And then you learn to love things that you never would have. And, it's the same with people. It's the same with well, probably everything. Politics. If you can learn to see that people don't come from political opposition with the intent to harm the other, they think that on the surface. It seems like that, but it's not that. It's really just their experiences and the logical conclusions they came to or likely logical fallacies that they drew inappropriately because they didn't fully quantify it. So they're just kind of... They haven't really unpacked it all in their brain to really know what they really want. They just live. We all live so superficially. I think not all of us. I don't, I don't believe, but a lot of people do. And if you ask them one question deep about what they think on any given question, all of a sudden the person who asked the question is the aggressor and some kind of prick because he asked it, but it's really just saying, do you really believe what you believe? Because I know I've learned more again, through the breakdown of what I thought I believed, which seems devastating and negative. And all of a sudden now I believe something totally different because I allowed someone's perspective to say that could be possible. Wait a minute. And then all of a sudden the whole new other side of the world opens up. You don't see the whole world if we all just think in blinders. So music, philosophy, art, politics, so many of these things, bad or good, stop labeling as such. That's my best advice and, and love of life in this world that I've learned to appreciate things through is, is giving away that uh, assigning of, gosh, this was a horrible day. I don't know. It didn't feel like it was a lot of fun, but maybe tomorrow I'll find that because of today, that was the, I don't know. You just, there's so many caveats and hard to give exact, exact examples, but learning to live like that i've learned to appreciate so much more it really is i think the i love it so i mean it, it, i love talking about stuff like that because so few do they're so afraid of it to confront maybe their own feelings about stuff like that so gosh yeah. i love conversations like that and good music can bring that out in myself and make me confront things that i'm like maybe maybe you learn through the opposition of something you totally disagree with. And that's what's helpful of it. Mm -hmm. So you learned from that. I mean, how is that a negative thing? Right. So I mean, it's people just decide. It's hard though, for people to, you know, myself included to, to, if you have always believed this way or that way, right. It, it's hard for you internally to challenge your own beliefs. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't even have to be religious. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you could have been brought up or, uh, in a certain way and been told X, Y, and Z, and that's just what you know to be the truth. And some of those things maybe have good values, but you know, I, I think I, I've been recently, I don't know, kind of in my headspace about, um, you know, like my approach, my belief, my thoughts, you know, around religion and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think you kind of ebb and flow with age on a lot of things. And oh yeah. So, but when you're met with that, Definitely. like, Oh man, are you, are you starting to say that now after all of these years and being punk rock and all this stuff and you know, that, mm -hmm. that you know, you start to question it, you're going, Oh God. Okay. But then you got to, you have to rationally look at certain things and assess it and, and purposely seek out that opposition because 
in that opposition, I think, are the answers that you're already asking yourself, but you're too afraid to ask. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, well, yeah. you're, you, and, and the other, the other thing that I, I find is that people define themselves by their beliefs, right? And, oh, yeah. and, and it's easy to do that. And yep. it makes sense because especially, um, you know, if we talk religion specifically, it's a huge, massive community worldwide. Whatever religion you believe in, you will find somebody else like-minded that believes something similar. Oh, yeah. The exact same that you are because you're handlers and all that <laughs> stuff that you think is totally whack, but there's yeah. other people that are down with it. You'll find yeah. them. So the, if, if you start to go against that, we're so community-oriented as human beings that you almost feel like you're, you're going against the common grain of that community you've been so long associated to. Well, yeah, it's tribal, and, very tribal. And so when you start to, you, you, you feel like, you feel like you're a traitor. You feel like you're a traitor to the cause where in all reality, you're just going to either find out in the opposition that, you know, I don't actually quite a, a, a agree with that because this is what I believe and this is why I believe this. So even if you're just working this internally in your own brain, you're asking these questions, but you have to look at the opposite side to be able to come back and either reassure your beliefs definitively in your, mm -hmm. in your own, in your own presence, or you can go, you know what? I'm sorry. Just like in your case, maybe what I had believed all these years is changing mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. You're not the same person you are when you're 18, yep. you know, and now I've got this and I've got that. And this actually makes sense in life. And I'm more open to it and I'm willing to say, I'm not trying to go against the grain of, of the, the, the common person in this community, uh, but I am trying to better myself as a person within that community. Yeah. And that's the thing that people are very afraid of kind of doing. They feel like if they open up that can of worms, what, what's behind that curtain? Mm -hmm. I don't, do I want to? I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable here believing what I've always believed and you know, my mom and dad and my grandma and my brothers and sisters, we all kind of believe the same thing. So we're, we're all within this one little space where it feels pretty good, but I'm questioning it. Right. And I think if you're, if you're questioning it, like, especially when, 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 when it's, that's, when it's religious based, yeah. right. Because I am questioning it actively right now. That's, you know, the, and, and that's this, the poke you should listen to. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. If, if, if something in your brain is triggering you to say like, I don't know what I need if, more. If info. there's a sense of wander, mm -hmm then you're already starting to ask the questions. Don't be afraid of that. You know, yeah. there, there could be a completely different light. Oh yeah. You know, and so. A it, whole it, new epiphany. And I mean, it's the best, that's the beauty of the world. And it, I think of it in that, the Pixar movie. Um, which one was it? It's where the, all the little people were the emotions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And how her world fell apart. And all of that started crumbling and when, you know, her family world and all those, you know, worlds started falling apart, how crazy and scary. So I think that's why people are afraid to overly question too much because it gets too spatial then they have no grounding. They don't know where to go, but really it's freedom. It's the ability to rebuild it and rebuild it in what you truly know. Mm -hmm. But you have to actually do that Shakespearean be or not to be. You actually have to try those things on. And live them out to see what people, what you really believe. And I don't think, I really don't think people do that very much they're, anymore. They're scared. Too, they're, they're, they're too scared and too busy and too distracted and too much that they can't focus on one thing to know what the important things they should be focusing on anymore because it's, it's all over the place. Yeah. And we're told and sold, especially in the news media, what we should be caring about. And, and it's all marketing but yet 
we're completely blind to it, even when you were aware of it, it's effective. It's effective. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's led itself, you know, oddly enough, I, I was going to kind of wait to talk about this on a solo cast, but, um, it's kind of led itself to a, a kind of a huge broad stroke of self-censorship, you know, and I was talking to a friend the other day, oh, like yeah. kind of, you know, as you were saying like, Oh man, like he's taking a break and like, yeah, it was guest related. I couldn't get some guests on and, and some things like that, but I kind of just needed to step away from it for a second. You know, I had some moments where I purposely self-censored, and kept some people's names out of some things. And it was like, yeah, that's, that's just respect for a person in the public. Like I'm not yeah. I'm here to try and destroy somebody. Yeah. But then I, I started talking to a really good friend of mine and I'm like, man, you know, this kind of happened and I, I felt bad. I felt dishonest to the listeners. And, you know, when I was telling him like the struggles, like, you know, it's a little hard to get guests on. And when some guests come on, you know, I feel like they're, they're really like guarded, you know, and it is mm-hmm. my job as a host to kind of get through that, not in a pokey proddy way, but I, I want it to be like organic and move through that. Yeah. But he's like, look, here's the deal, man. People know about podcasts mm-hmm. and as much of a following as you don't have, or you don't think you have, he's like, look at the reels that you do have on your page. that have 25,000 views. Okay. Yep. Everybody was happy about that, but what if it's negative? Right. And people online find that person and they blow their lives up. He's like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be anybody famous. He's like, you can, you could be a nobody and have your life literally destroyed because of the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, people are self-censoring, you know, and I found myself doing it where my, my whole desire for this podcast is to just be real with people, a hundred percent real. And I found myself not saying certain things or saying them in a way that was like, this is a safe way to say, it. Yep. you know? And for lack of better terms, I fucking hate that. Oh, I, I do don't, too. I don't like when I have to censor myself. Yeah. And I don't like when a guest has to feel like they have to censor themselves. Because we're just having a conversation. Sure, people might see this down the road, but I'm like, why are we, why are we so afraid to, to say some things that we think may or may not harm us? That's what I love comedy. That's what I love comedy so much. That's one of my favorite things too is appreciating good comedy and honestly and it goes back to the same conversation like i i think we should be willing to allow we, we've gotten to a point where we're trying to shut down comedians for saying things that they think are offensive but what they don't realize is the comedy that is offensive is intentional to get laughs and to um be satirical to highlight a real thing it's all ba- it's not funny if it isn't real you know so there's always a even when people joke about each other, you know, when they say there's always that, you know, there's a little bit of truth to every joke. So mm-hmm. if someone's like, Oh, how's, how's your day? And they joke about something. Oh, I don't know. Living the dream. Or like I joked with you about putting on glitter. There might be some actual truth behind some of that. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't admit. No, anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's a, a little truth that, so guys like Anthony Jesselnick or some of these dark comedians that slay it with the inappropriate, timing mm-hmm. usually of jokes not necessarily just intentionally in, uh, incendiary jokes or inappropriate but the, it's usually the timing of it um you know boston bomber jokes the day of that yeah. kind of thing but you know for me it's cathartic and it's like if you can just learn to i guess i would call it the absolute value of life and to not judge and to see that there's two realities i always said this when i was a young little romancer to ladies 
uh, as a somewhat of a pickup line, but honestly, it wasn't. It really was true, but it was effective. But there's something beautiful about everybody. You just have to find it. And I think the same is true. There's something hysterically funny. And I've always had a warped sense of humor about this. And I, that's why I'm always, I think, <laughs> misinterpreted because I just think there's something funny about every situation. I don't care what it is. Sure. And I know you can think of some horrible th- situations and go, well, what about this? What about that? I assure you, if we sat down and unpacked that in a way that I could do so, probably not publicly, so I wouldn't be canceled. Sure. <laughs> but I could show you how just about any joke. I mean, Anthony Jesenek, just watch his set. He makes a joke that there's no way that you could make a funny, you know, dead baby joke. Mm-hmm. Well, he watch it. There's sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. There's some. <laughs> So if you can look and see that there's something that you can learn from and something beautiful about every person, despite how crazy and ugly they are. And again, yeah, you do have to confront some demons in order to really take that all the way down and believe it. But honestly, granting eminent value to people enough to get to a point where you can see through the matrix, I guess I would call that kind of thing. Boy, I've really been focusing on that lately. And it's, it's hard to do in the moment when I'm living in the heat of something, but in three days after something happens, even if it was a horrible situation that I've had with a person recently, right? You know, one of them, I swear to you, 48 hours later, I couldn't care one bit about what I cared excessively about at the time. I was focused on this Mm -hmm. minor detail, whatever, a, a pride issue, usually an ego thing, financial thing, even in, in one case, and you can step away from it and look back and go, actually, I don't really even care now. And why did I care so mm. much? And that person is just trying to do the same thing we're all doing is get by. And we're all just trying to get by. And even despite the ugliness of that, if I can't confront my own ugliness, I can't confront theirs and we all have it and we're all part of the same thing. So then all of a sudden you start to realize, man, I don't know, like, can you really hurt me? If yeah. I'm not allow it to, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't hurt me as long as I don't assign any negative value to no matter what you're doing. And again, we could go down the road with some pretty dark paths, but I could show in those examples that, you know, my mother, uh, had a child, uh, prior to wedlock in a very conservative sixties Christian home probably was the craziest thing ever, but now I have a sister. So how is that an ugly thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you assign a negative connotation of that experience despite the negativity of its origination? It's all positive. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess when I see that in some cases, as things are happening, the more I train myself to kind of think that way, the more I realize, gosh, even when bad things can happen, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Some good that can come out of it. Yeah, I mean, I know there, there's some tough calls on that, but I've heard people argue that out. And uh, again, I, I think I mentioned this book before. I think it's one of the ones that has a, one of the most profound impact on me from a psychological standpoint uh, on that side is that Byron Katie's book about loving what is. Mm. Cause you learn to just really see things logically. Like, can you really know, like someone tried to harm you and can you really know that that is true about what their intentions were? Cause that's that other person. So despite, what you think you know, you really, at the end of the day, don't know the truth behind all of that. I mean, gosh, somebody could steal from your store and, you know, there's always, there's, there's so many examples. I don't want to go to down one because then someone will pin me to a crazy example, but I don't know. You just, uh, 
I like the absolute value way to look at it because it's just then anything can end up being a good thing. Like I can, I can find a pause. It's not about forcing fake positivity. I can't stand people like that because it's masking and just like any disease, you don't want to mask it with drugs attack the source of it and you don't have to take the drugs. Right. So I don't, it's not a false positivity thing, but it is truly looking at everything and saying there's something amazingly beautiful and something I can learn from all of this. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a good lesson the hard way, like maybe I shouldn't be drinking like that anymore. Learn that lesson through the years. And I know you talked about uh, waking up one day and having a, a conversation with your wife and just saying, I think I'm done with booze and yeah. trying it out for a while. And you know what? Oh, man, do I love not drinking and all of the benefits that outweigh any potential. And it, you know, I never, I, I didn't like cold Turkey. I'm going to quit and never drink again. Um, I pretty much am that way now, but because of the times that I did drink, it was like when I quit smoking cigarettes, I quit. I I never thought I was gonna be able to quit smoking. I truly enjoyed them, which is weird, but I did. I loved it. And I quit and came back and quit and came back a few times, but it wasn't until I quit for a three-month period of time and long enough, and then I had one cigarette. And then I realized how gross that one cigarette made me feel, and that was the one that made me quit forever, and I haven't had one since. Mm. So same with alcohol. Like, I can quit and come back or just kind of casually drink, and it's not a big deal. But, boy, you go long enough, and then you have one night where you have three or four whiskeys or beers or something like that and you wake up and go it wasn't that fun didn't even yeah. catch a buzz now i just feel like total ass yeah and it wasn't worth it and you know what i probably never drink again why why yeah. even bother yeah i have so many stories that you correlate with you when you wake up with that one you were talking about waking up and not knowing do you have to apologize for someone boy do i not miss that oh god <laughs> the I've had ang- nights like that. The anxiety that comes along with and that, which was crazy that's nights. what's crazy. I mean, and I don't want to harp on it because obviously the episode aired, but you know that 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 morning I woke up like we we went to our first sit down comedy show. I mean, obviously I'm a, I follow so many comedians, but I had I never it. had the opportunity to go to actual show, and it was awesome. It was intimate. It was very akin to podcasting. You yeah. know, it was just like right there. You're everybody's quiet. Everybody's respectful. And um, we had such a great night, my wife and I. It was spectacular. And I woke up and probably should have been more hungover than I was. But I was of the right mind to be like, you know what? We need to close this out on a really good night. Like, I just don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And I, but all the other times in the past, it was always, you know, I'm going to quit drinking because I, I fucked up. I did right. something so stupid or, you know, I just. It never I lasts just, then that way. You know, or just never not remembering the night. I used to hate that feeling. Oh, like, yeah. You know? And, um. Yeah, yeah, that's so. exactly where that feeling comes from. I may or may not have gotten out of control. It probably nothing even happened. It's just that I wake up and go, first thought is, oh, do I have to apologize? I don't have full recollection. Do I need to write any letters of apology today? Do I need to be embarrassed about something? Is there a video that I forgot about? Yeah. And, you know, just not remembering. Gosh, and it it seemed like the older I got, despite not drinking that much, gosh, I mean, I you'd have to partying pretty hard to black out but well you know it's like the last couple of years as i inevitably we all age <laughs> yeah there's no stuff alternative but yeah. you know as you get older it's like it's just not it's not worth it and i don't find any reason to continue to do so and now my anxiety level is so 
I used to get anxiety for the dumbest reasons. Sometimes I'd be able to drive over Red Mountain Pass, no big deal. Sometimes I'd just be sickened with anxiety and terrified. And I don't have those those peaks and valleys anymore yeah. at all. Yeah. That's gone. So for me, that, and I hate anxiety. It's one of the worst feelings ever. Boy, if that's, if that's was attributed to alcohol, uh, you can sign me off for good. Yeah. It's not worth it. The one thing, and I, I think this is just my addictive personality. I'm, I do want to kind of mm-hmm. publicly put this out there. It's like, I do have that. I too. don't know that I was addicted to alcohol because it never, I never burned bridges. I never, you know, lost jobs. I was highly productive. If I was an alcoholic, I was a highly productive. Oh, no, I always was too. I and, never didn't go to work because I drank yeah. all day. I never got up and drank. Yeah. But it was like when I stopped drinking, um, something had to take its place. Yeah. And it's, that's it's, right. it's, that's the for hard me, part. it's working out yeah. and I'm religious about it in a sense. Like, I mean, I, I said this the other day on, as a guest on a podcast, it's like last night. In fact, you know, I got home late after soccer. I had a long day. Uh, I was helping my wife out doing some construction, which is not my normal job any longer. So it's, you know, you start to kind of miss the little nuances like, shit, I don't have that tool or, you know, so it was, it was hard. It was a mental struggle. Um, yep. got home with straight soccer and I had to go into the gym at the house at nine thirty at night. I didn't get back inside until 1030 after everything was done. And, but for me, I am a bit of an addict. I, I do have addictive tendencies because I, I know that I have to fill that void with something. If I'm filling that void with something positive, I'm good with it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not taking time necessarily away from my family. I am, but at the sense they're sleeping, you know, the kids are in bed. My wife, yeah, is working, I do that at night. You know, too. and it's yeah. like you got to do so me time. I'm not, I'm not out partying with the it. boys. I'm not playing poker. I'm not doing stuff That's like right. that. I'm not, I'm yep. not stealing that time from the family. But it, it, I would say that my push towards the the health. Uh, recovery, I would say, is is very much driven by my addictive tendencies, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm really pushing that right now. And, you know, and, and I'm not trying to do it publicly. I put up a post the other day on the sauna and I just, I felt like a, I felt like a fraud, you know, I was like in the sauna. I just, I had, you know, I lost actually today 204 pounds, which is awesome. So it's more weight. But I mean, to me, it was like, fuck, man, I lost 26 pounds. Like I felt yeah. good. And I was just in the moment, probably a moment of weakness in the sauna. And I was like, oh, record myself, you know, and I put it up. And as soon as I hit share, it was like, ugh, cringe, dude. Like, but I, I was, I was I proud, so I was proud of that, that moment, but, but I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, cause in a weird way, it is for me. That's, it's a well, selfish yeah. thing. Like, oh, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I wish, it shifts the focus yeah, away from that. Yeah. That's right. So it's like, I wish people well, um, if you're on this journey, awesome. Love to talk to you about it. Keep doing your thing. But. For me, it's like, I don't want to post about it anymore because it's my, it's me. It's my world. It's like, I want to, you know, the, the introvert in me is like, nah, I want to there's keep that two private. camps in that. And there's always the share your wins camp <coughs> and the clap for your, your family camp, which I find problematic more than anything because the clap for your family is just, yes, man. I don't want to be surrounded by yes, man. I want someone who's going to say, Hey. This was great, but you know what? That was some bullshit, and you probably should do that better too. And I've, I never started writing better papers until I had a professor kick me in the teeth. So, you know that I, you know yeah. that for me, I think is is a is is the crucial part. I want people that will do that. So I, yeah. you know, I get the point of the celebrate the wins. It's to try to combat the negative mm-hmm. mindset and the depression that a lot of us are. Sure, pandemic. You know, if there was a pandemic, it's that. It isn't. Yeah. Yeah. 
what's the real pandemic? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Health, man. Yeah. People are all freaking out everywhere you go. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, so for me, it's living in truth of yourself that prevents that. So whether it's a positive or negative thing, it's just, Hey, confronting the realities that exist and knowing how to do that without it being offensive. That's the challenge for me is, mm-hmm. is living that way without it being offensive. But you know what? It always is to those that it shines a light on their inadequacies. Yeah. That Peter principle, you rise to your own level of inadequacy. I like, I don't I don't know if I follow them, but sometimes it comes up in a feed. I watched something the other night and, you know, so many people disagree with this methodology, but it was like, you know, it's like, it was basically boiled down to like fat shaming. Right. right and, yeah. and there's a part of that that can destroy people like to a point sure. where they maybe take their own life because they feel that became bulimic yeah, because of a they feel horrible. Right. And it's, yeah. and that kind of action was like, Oh man, like, but I, I watched this guy basically pull this gentleman up on stage, and I think it was at some kind of a sales conference or some bullshit. Yeah, they always made are. Him take his shirt raw, off, raw. kind of embarrassed him, you know, in front of a huge mm-hmm. crowd. Jeez. And then came back. It was brutal. It was like, God, you know. Uh, but, <laughs> I, like, put it to him, like, he said something, and I, I'm loosely paraphrasing, but he was just like, you know, instead of asking about the sales, he was like, he's like, do you feel do you feel vulnerable right now? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, do you feel ashamed? He's like, yeah, I do. And he's like, um, so you're so far from your comfort zone, right? And he's like, yeah. And he got, the guy tries to put his shirt back. He's like, no, no, leave, leave your shirt off. He's like, I want you to remember this self. He's like, you have children? And he's like, I have two kids. Yeah. And he's like, okay, is this how you want to look for your children? Is this the, what you're trying to show them is, is the good that you can do? Is this the best version you can show your kids? And he's like, no. And you could just, I mean, this guy was just being belittled in front of a huge amount. I don't know how many people it looked like a really big audience. Right. And I'm watching this and I'm like, fuck, this is brutal. And, but then the video after that, it was like a two phase video. It was like two months later, the same guy comes back to a similar conference with the same guy. And he had started making some health decisions and he looked, you know, like he was getting shit together. And it was like this brutal acknowledgement that you're, you're fucking up. Like mm-hmm. you're not doing right. And I'm going to call you on that in front of the world. At yep. least that little conference world. Well, they went public with it. So it might've been in front of the world. And it was like, man, that's, that's so hard for, and a lot of people don't have the grit mm-hmm. to take a blow like that and that's bounce right. back and be positive. Yep. So it's not accepted anymore to do stuff like that. But when, when somebody has, a relationship enough with you and you guys do trust each other and you, you actually take their criticism and you, 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 you actually look at it and start to dissect it. And then you self-reflect on that criticism and potentially make yourself better. I don't always think that that's a bad thing. No, there's a lot of stories with people that have made it really big where they pin back to one person who had the guts to stand up and say, this is, this is garbage Mm -hmm. and this is why, or whatever the case may be. It might not even be going about it that way, but just giving the alternative perspective, which so many times is seen as uh, confrontational or aggressive nowadays, which is such bullshit. People call you haters all the time. If you give a differing perspective, I see it constantly daily. Mm -hmm. And now I almost do it intentionally just to be like, whatever you think that's hate just because I'm it's, probably a more act of love to tell someone the only person that says, Hey, that, you know, that I saw one of those things happen live. And I, it was one of the most incredible experiences I saw where this guy said something. He was trying to act like he was, you know, in the raw, raw group. And the guy was like, I call bullshit on that right now. Started asking him a couple questions. 
and peeled away the onion quickly enough to find out that this guy's standing here trying to, you know, big dude was fit, but he hadn't talked to his kid in I don't know how many years it was. And he called him out on the spot and he's like, you're calling him right now. Yeah. You're fixing this problem and you're not leaving until you do. You go out into the hallway and then you come back in here and we're going to talk about it. And dude, it changed this guy's life and for the better and ended up with this, you know, having a relationship with his kid and it all was very public, but you're right. People are afraid to do that. And I, I don't know. I find more value in that than the yes man placating, blowing, you know, false smoke up everyone's mm -hmm. ass. So there's those two camps. You got the people that celebrate the wins and fake like that. And you've got the people that I think are the wiser that will say, make your moves in silent. And then once you're there, then you can announce what you're done. Mm -hmm. So many people are like, I'm going to write a book. And then, yeah. sweet. Tell me when the book's, yeah. you know, yeah. like, I don't want to, this whole rah, rah, all this, you know, to me, it's just putting band-aids on the mental health issue. And it actually, I think drives people to worse. It gets them to a point where it's all fake. It's, it's just shallow. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's, a house of cards. Sure. Absolutely. And so the more real, the more honest is looked down on because it's confrontational. It's real. It's, it's sometimes having the autonomy, which is good and freedom, but it also puts the responsibility on you. You are the one who's going to save you. No one else. Your mommy's not going to save you at the end of the day. You, nobody is mm -hmm. your mommy and daddy might even be there for you, but inevitably we all die alone. And it's really up to me, not them to make sure that I'm, doing the best that I can and making the most out of it in this world. So, you know, my, my younger brother, before he left our presence for good, uh, he used to just blame everybody for every problem. Uh, never took responsibility, never had a good job, always wanted everyone to take care of it. Whenever there was an issue, it was always someone else's deal. And it's like, that's what the world is honoring today. Kind of. They, they are, they're in, and not, nothing's a hundred percent and it's not all, you know, it's not all binary zeros and ones. It's not all one thing or the other, but a lot of the turn is, is demonizing the go-getters, the builders, the creators and, and, and giving excuse and a pass to the people that for the sake of not hurting their feelings or, or having them not have the same opportunities, you know, propping up the weaker and there's it's I, i'm all about taking care of the weaker and all of that it's not it's not that it's just a flip of the pedestal of it and so now we we're not going to have doctors plumbers electricians no one wants to do some of that stuff because everyone's afraid to stick their neck out and do it you know and um and take the the responsibility of what that means to become some of those people because of what we were talking about earlier, everyone's getting too scared. Mm -hmm. We're all afraid of saying a maybe potentially political offensive thing because it slants one way or another just because you're really just saying, hey, it's about autonomy. That's actually a good thing. But, oh, boy, can that be a political thing? I don't know. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Who politicized that kind of mentality and for what reason? I don't know. I don't know. Some of that just gets really crazy. But I think it's... Gosh, some of the, I wish we all could talk about it more mm -hmm. and not be offended. I always hate that saying that, don't you know that you shouldn't talk about religion or politics and you have the two most screwed up things in our world is religion and politics. <laughs> and you wonder so why. <laughs> you, you've, you've seen my, uh, 
you know, when, when I send out a calendar, Calendly link, right? Hey, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's the questionnaire. I would say better than 60, 70% of the guests most when often. They, say what they want to talk, talk about, about this, but the last two things, uh, really would not like to talk about religion, really would not like See, to talk about isn't politics. That funny? Like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, I'm not going to push somebody to talk about it, but I'm like, why, why are we afraid to, I mean, you're, you're afraid to, you, you make a stance in private, right? Yeah. But you don't want to talk about, I get it. Cool. But it's just, it's weird. You, you know, you said something that struck, uh, for a second there. And I want to just go back to it. It was, you, you, you were, you were not trying to downplay it, but you said, you're all about supporting the little people, but it's kind of flipped itself on its ear. So the, there, yep. the, the entire system was, you know, obviously originally designed to temporarily help out a little person. Let's just say, right. Or a person at a moment of weakness, I would mm-hmm. say, but it's not to be a permanent, Band-aid. That's right. A lifelong band-aid, right? And exactly. the same thing happens, you know, in life when it's like when you when you feel uh, belittled or when you feel like you're less than, and all of a sudden, yes, we are. We're swinging that 180 degrees, mm-hmm. and we're saying, okay, it's okay to be this, and 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 rightfully so. Yeah, it shouldn't have a negative connotation. Yeah. But when when society starts to forget that it's okay, and it actually might even be more worthwhile to work hard mm-hmm. to perform physical labor yeah to be a plumber to be an electrician to be you know a backhoe operator to, to be a framer right you know yeah there, there's actual benefits to physically working because yep. you get the the fruit of your labors at the end of the day yes it's money and we we can talk about that for a thousand hours but you are right there there's almost glorification in the flip to where it's no longer cool or accepted to, to be, you know, a tradesman or somebody who physically works. That's, that's, not, that, that, that's the hard way. That's the, yeah. that's a hard way. And it's you the know? not smart way. Yeah. We want to be influencers. Sure. Make absolutely. money by just, you know. Yeah. But it, it that, that, that little man thing is, it was never meant to a, be a permanent fix. And now we're taking every little topic, right? Every little emotion that somebody is afraid of or offended yeah. of or offended by or whatever and we're wrapping it in bubble tape and then we're trying to like press it press it press it press it press it like it's okay actually you know what this is what the new norm is this is supposed to be acceptable and god damn it if you don't like it if you don't like it we are going to destroy your life that's right you can't say anything about it and it's like right it is happening well i i wholeheartedly disagree with a lot of that stuff and so now me as a person i could maybe talk about it in private Yep. But I can't say anything about it in public. God, you know, God forbid I say something or I make a comment or I just even have a guest that has confirmed actual knowledge or is living that lifestyle come onto the podcast and we talk about it openly because they're comfortable talking. You know, people get offended by that. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same group is attacking the same exact group because now all of a sudden it's like these groups that had to be in private for years and years and years. It's like, how dare you talk publicly about our experience? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm not saying that, that I, I even, I mean, involved with that group or that I, I even have any knowledge. Like, I just want to ask the questions as to, cause I'm curious as a human being, 
why does one believe this or why does one believe that? Or yeah. Why do you act this way? Like or I act said this before, like, there's probably a logical reason you think the opposite yeah. to me. I'd like to know it because sure. I might learn more about my position just in juxtaposition of yours. It still yeah. benefits. But you can't anymore, like society, especially like online, you know, the social mm-hmm. circles, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to have that conversation. Yep. You, you, I shouldn't say that you're not allowed. You can have that conversation, but I would say better than 50% will disagree with on, on just the, the case scenario of just disagreeing to disagree. Just because of it. Yeah. They're not trying to hear what you have to say. They're not it, trying to hear the guest that you're talking oh, to. Yeah. They're not trying to hear the conversation. I think a lot of it comes from the fact of fear. Most of, I think of it stems from fear and one's own inability to articulate their point enough to justify their belief because they haven't maybe uncovered it or discovered it enough or, or really got, has gone on a personal journey to own that belief instead of just, I've been told this, I believe it, not questioning it, not really giving it even the credence that it deserves to be or not to be, to live it out, to put on that suit and try it on and see how it feels of that belief. And so I think that's part of it is people are afraid of that in them, in them, their own selves. Cause I, I honestly, I, I would have no problem talking about, you name the topic I talk about it right now, probably have a pretty good, have, I've, I've entertained it. I've got, I've, I've, visited that subject in my own mind probably a lot if it means anything right if it's valuable enough to think about in the human condition what we think about in the world uh, but i have spent enough time contemplating those things that i have formulated what i think i own as an opinion enough that i would be willing to talk about anything in front of any group of people at any point in any time and be completely unashamed to do so Will I be misrepresentative, misunderstood and misrepresented by a lot of people and there could be backlash? Sure. But I honestly don't care about those people. If they haven't taken enough time to either get to know me personally or unpack that conversation or sit down and discuss it in a way in which um, the goal is to seek to understand instead of the intent to persuade, which I love that comparison more than many that I talk about because it's so archaic. We don't understand that that mode of communicating with the intent to persuade so many salespeople think like that's the way to salespeople. I can engineer your consent. No, the best salesmen on earth aren't the engineers of consent, the boiler room kind of sales dicks. It's the people that can get to understand you, learn you and understand your needs to be able to, if I have the solution, match that and meet you with it. If I don't have the solution, great. We've uncovered it. Now I'm moving on to the next prospect. I don't have time. I don't have anything to help you. Mm. And I'm not going to try to waste my time just to sell you this product that you may or may not need just because I can that persuasion that in, it's not just about sales, but that is the mode. Our method of conversation, it comes from Aristotle. You know how freaking long ago Aristotle was on this earth. And that is still the mode of communication that dominates any other in every context, in every situation, people sit down with the intent to hump their leg through subjugating them with how smart I am and now you adopting it. And yet it's so funny because how often do you think people actually do adopt that opinion that I'm trying so hard to persuade you? It it happens. Might happen more than you realize, but it you think really just, isn't the point. It shouldn't be. You think it they shouldn't just happen. Give in 
at the time to move on. <laughs> no, I, well, maybe, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, just as a, like, okay, cool. Yeah, move that on with my That whole agree to disagree or I'll just, you know, especially children that you're rearing, like they'll just, yep, I agree. And then they might even actually agree, but they never owned it. So it's, it's just being told to now they've been subjugated. Sure. They're a slave to that belief and have no autonomy of it and didn't even care enough to fight to break the chains to have the freedom that comes from that autonomy of knowing and, and believing and owning what you believe, which is so important. So many of you do it. And I know that so few do it because all you have to do is ask them a question one layer deep about whatever they are got such a big, you know, hmm. thing about and see how quickly it unravels to a point where they then, they call it Godwin's law. Any online conversation, if given a long enough time, will devolve eventually a one-to-one -one ratio into somebody comparing the other person to either Nazi or Hitler. So essentially, it, it's an actual <laughs> online law. It's one of my favorite nerdy things, Godwin's uh, law. But at the end of the day, it's a, maybe less about the analogy and more about what it really is saying is that given a conversation long enough in today's setting, eventually it's going to go into a personal tech, an ad hominem. It's going to end up not being about the point any longer at all because they, if someone has met a wall, they feel frustrated because they're not capable of their goal, which is to persuade you to believe like them. And so now it's just a F you and let's piss for distance. And yeah. now you got an ugly face and you're an asshole yeah. and you know, it's the, stuff that doesn't even matter. Angry face emojis. And so, yeah. And all of that. So it's like, <laughs> if again, back to the music, if you can look at a band, like, like, I don't know why I am bringing up the moist boys. It's so stupid. If you can look <laughs> with a Z, I got to look. If you up. can listen to the moist boys and find a song that you're like, wow, I get what they're all about, and although not my favorite cup of tea, but that, I get it. Anyway, if you can just see that people have eminent value, mm -hmm. what they're doing is their gig. I don't have to like or love their opinion or belief. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be the point. Yep. It should be, if anything, to see the beauty in yours. And honestly, like my perspective never gets clearer than when in juxtaposition of what it isn't. Mm -hmm. You can define something so much better by defining what it isn't. If you want to get a sales uh, uh, award, start asking, start eliminating what you don't want instead of focusing so much, all right, what do we want? Might not exist. How about what you don't want? And that helps define what you want, sometimes even better than what you don't want. It certainly does with me and a lot of things that I think about sometimes. So again, if you have a conversation and you completely disagree Instead of getting all pissed off and like, I hate you, how come I can't walk away and go, I love the beauty in your belief and I'm glad that you own it. I think it's ridiculous, but that helped me to see how much more beautiful my point is. And now I actually believe my point better because, because I don't believe like that. Yeah. And not that yours is stupid or isn't the truth. And I'm not advocating for your truth kind of people. I'm just saying... Like, I don't care yeah. if you believe it or not. It shouldn't be about that. If we can uh, be heard, seen, that's what, that's, that's what people want. They just want to be heard and seen and validated, whether or not I agree with you or not. So if you really want to win friends and influence people and become like Scott Maycock, just validate people and you never have to agree with them. That's a hard thing for me to do because I, I love to 
poke at what you believe to understand it more. And I love to share what I believe in that almost never is met with someone who can hang long enough to where they don't feel like I'm attacking them personally. Mm -hmm. And I never go to a personal, I can name the amount of people in my lifetime that I've had valuable conversations with that don't go to that. And you're one of them. And and honestly, there's less than four more. Ben Clement, my good buddy. Hope you listen to this. He's one of them. He's another guy that, like I said, I think I mentioned him. He's randomly at two in the morning. will be like, dude, you got to check this out. (laughs) And it's always so rad. He's on top. I love guys Uh, like that. There's guys and gals. There's a few people. There's another. Anyway, I name a couple people, but I, I, that's the, that's the marrow of life right there is getting into that kind of stuff that, you know something about someone you want to share that great podcast, that super killer lyric or whatever it is. Cause I don't know, man. I mean, it sure beats sitting around focusing on what I do for a living all day as if that's what I'm going to care about when I die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now I know I have to do it and it is a focus. And again, I will do it better than anybody or as, as good as I can. Sure. Yeah. But Boy, this is the, that's, that's why I can do that and grind and work late. It's been busy. I'm out of my mind. The last two months, it's been ridiculously crazy and that's awesome. But I can do that because I do spend the time to love and find passion in some of those things. I do feel terrible for people that don't have that. I know my, I, we've talked about a few people like me. I, I know people that well that they just don't have they just get up they do their thing i don't know i mean maybe they're just struggling to just hang on or something but they just i don't know i don't know what it is but i couldn't not i mean cars gosh i have a lot of passions like that i wish i had tons of money because i i would have an extravagant (laughs) i would have a i see a lot of rich people's homes and there's only one that i can think of that i've seen recently that is over the top and it was sexy i posted a bunch of pictures of it on my facebook but um I would have a ridiculous, I mean, I, I would spend my money and flamboyant way. You should see my Halloween setup right now. <laughs> Stuff's not cheap anymore. It's stupid. I get a little pig hawk on a rope and it's $25. Like what the, but yeah, I'm over the, t- you gotta, you gotta kind of, oh, I said, dude, you should see it. my house. It's over the top. Uh, well, Cody, man, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, uh, for sure. It's always good. I appreciate it anytime. I really do. Um, you know, cause there's only a, there's, a, there's honestly a few handful of people that, that I, I get to honestly share like a weird love of music. And it's, it's, I, I know that people probably hear this and they're like, it's just music. I'm like, yeah, but for they just so don't see it. Yeah. They just so, don't get it. For so long, I, I hid. You know, it, people say like, there's no way that you're an introvert. But like, no, nah, I, I think I've always been an introvert, but I, I just met that anxiety in a lot of different ways. And part of that was getting on a microphone and singing in front of people, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I'm still, I still play music with the same guys for almost 25 years. Yeah, it's true. People do. Have, it's, and it's like, you build this weird brotherhood, but your, your love for music gets so ingrained in every aspect of your life when you, when you do that. And so I'm removed from that anymore. We don't tour, we don't play on a regular basis. We maybe see each other once, twice a year. And so for me, it's like thumbing through the old, the old files, like the new songs sometimes, but like some of the old things, like they just take me back. And like, when I get the opportunity to like come across something that's new and I could share it with somebody that I know 
is genuinely going to, maybe I don't listen to it right this second, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to digest it just to be mm-hmm. like, where's the headspace? Or hopefully my biggest hope is like, boom, it just like affected your day in mm-hmm. a better, in a weird, better way. Yep. And it could just be like a tweak of the brain. It could be like, this pumped me up. I love it. Um, I don't get to share that with a lot of people, you know, and it, it's, you it don't... happens to me so often. And the, I, the level of the visceral nature of it, the level of, of how profound it affects me is, is otherworldly. And I wish I, when I try to share some of those songs, I wish so much. It's like a scent. I wish you could transfer a scent to somebody. Um, but it's that fee- I, I, I don't know how to describe it, but when that, when that works and it hits and it's on, it's in that like timing and it's just on that ley line. There's nothing that I've experienced that even comes close for me in this world. And music is just so I, I know a lot of people don't get it. I've been caught so many times by people like jamming in my car or just, you know, sitting with my headphones on at home, you know, somewhere. And then they walk in on me and I don't know they're there and they watch me and I feel like a total idiot, but I, I just, I'm so in the zone <laughs> and so in love. I couldn't care less what I look like or yeah. I know it's absurd or I'll be in there you know, air drumming and thinking that I'm hitting it just perfectly, even though I'm <laughs> yeah. probably not. And I look like a tool, but you know what, man, that to me, there is, I've had moments in, in, in concerts and in just sitting and listening to headphones that it's, yeah, it, that's music is tops for me. And I love someone else who can see, cause I know even when I share it like this, sometimes to, with you, it's like, it's, it's a very personal experience music. So it's, it's very hard when you share something that really hits you to be able to translate that. And it might not ever happen, but I know I've, I've found some music that I think is the best just because I see it through the eyes of someone who loves it and appreciates it and might not have ever loved it. The red hot chili peppers are that way for me. Mm. Can't stand them. I, oh, I just, most of their songs drive me crazy, but my wife loves them. So every time she comes on and I watch the joy that she has when they come on, I'm just, I love them because of it. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I appreciate the time. I could talk on forever. Oh, yeah, brother. Thank you so much for coming Absolutely. It's always good. Anytime. Have you ever felt? Are you listening? Damn.